This is Kyle. Hey, everybody, uh, with episode 10 of the Geek Rex podcast. Uh, we had a couple special guests on tonight. We had Spencer from Superhero Hype and Brian from EU Cantina, and they joined Shane and I, and we talked about Man of Steel, anything and everything about it, from the divisive reaction to the film to its controversial ending. We also touched on E3 and a lot of the uh, new games that are coming up for all the formats and things that might be worth looking at. Uh, uh, you can find all of our thoughts and opinions on all things geek at geekrex.com. Find us on Twitter at geek underscore rex and like us on Facebook. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't hesitate to give us a rating and tell us your thoughts. We love to be able to improve this podcast and your listening experience. Thank you so much for listening. We hope to hear from you soon. This is episode, uh, is this, was this 10, Shane? Yep. <laughs> the, We're on number 10. Yay! It's like an anniversary, man, um, of the Geek Rex podcast, and today is a very exciting one. One, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I don't think I've got any fathers on my, uh, on, the, on this uh, recording, but um, a big happy Father's Day to all the dads. And secondly, uh, this is Man of Steel weekend, so that's very exciting, and there's a lot to talk about in regards to the film. Uh, a film that turned out to be uh, pretty gosh darn divisive, it seems, which yeah. uh, who, who would expect that? But uh, we've got some special guests on the podcast today, and I would love to introduce them both. Um, we've got um, Spencer Perry, who is uh, from Superhero Hype. So hey, Spencer. Hey, how's it going? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, I appreciate you being here, uh, neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've also got Brian Novicki from EU Cantina. Hey, Brian, how are you, man? Doing good, thanks. How are you guys doing? Oh, fine, fine. You you uh, you had a busy weekend? Uh, yeah, b- between working and a uh, full day of talking to Superman. <laughs> right, yeah, hanging out with me, right? <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we were gonna talk Superman. So let's let's talk Superman. Um. Now, are you guys generally Superman fans at all? Uh, anybody? Not. I'm not really. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> Um, well, that uh, this explains all of our reactions. <laughs> I guess so. Well, let, let me let me start with the uh, like Spencer. So you said not really. Uh, do you read Superman comics at all, or? Um, I've read some. I have a few on my uh, uh, that I bought on Comicsology that I've read. I've, they had a sale this week, so I bought a couple more, but I haven't gotten to read them yet. But if we're talking super characters, I'm more interested in Superboy and Supergirl. Oh, okay. How, how come? I don't know. I just feel like they're kind of more interesting than Superman is. Yeah, I used to think that. Man, I was a big Connell fan, uh, especially when he was like <laughs> in the black T-shirt era. Yeah, that was always my favorite. I think Jeff Lemire's run on Superboy was like one of my favorite sets of comics of that last vestige of uh, pre-52 DC. I love, I loved uh, the the idea that there was like something living underneath Smallville, <laughs> and it was like this <laughs> creepy, weird town, where all these weird things were going on. It was sort of like this actually smart play on the Smallville concept from the TV show. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm absolutely with you. Are you reading Superboy and Supergirl now? Uh, I have the trades. I'm not picking up the issues. Okay. Gotcha. Well, I heard, I heard Supergirl's good. I haven't read it. Did, did any of you guys read any of those books? Nope. 
Oh, well, sheesh. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Supergirl, Supergirl is interesting. It, it's very, uh, it's not written particularly well, but it's still entertaining enough that I'll probably get the second volume mm-hmm. when it comes out. Right on. Okay, so Brian, you said you said no as well? Yeah, I've never really read much Superman outside of the odd issue here or there until this month, actually, with the movie coming out. And I've read like three origin stories and Red Sun and, uh, you know, the new Superman Unchained I picked up the other day. But uh, I'm pretty new at Superman. Uh, we like force fed Brian all these origin stories for our uh, meetup <laughs> group. So we made him read Man of Steel, Birthright and the, the uh, first trade of Morrison's action run. And mm-hmm. I think Brian hated them all. <laughs> Pretty much. Really? Yeah. Wow. You need like to read Earth One. I, I, I like Earth I One a lot. I read Earth One now that you mentioned it. I forgot about that. I do like Earth One. Yeah, we did that as part of our group too. So yeah, Brian's got that one. So that, is that the one Superman story you liked of the origin, I guess, Brian? Yeah, for Origins, I, you know, uh, definitely Earth One and Red Sun, if you count that as an origin, as Elseworlds. Ah, well, JMS has done it again, huh, Shane? Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, I think Earth One's probably my favorite of the origins. Um, I hate that Superman is this character that everybody thinks they have to put their own spin on that origin, because they all have the same elements. Um, almost all of them have his costume coming from his... Uh, ship that he came in and almost all of them have all the basic stuff of him coming to Kansas from Krypton and all that. So I don't know why everyone feels the need to put this spin on it. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's a malleable character and I I guess I've always been kind of confused because I get two different vibes from people. Um, I always hear this argument that he's either not relevant or Mm -hmm. he should never change. And yeah. I know I don't know if that's like the comic book faithful that say one or the other, or if it's like people that are like super into that more Marvel type of, of superhero with the more relatable problems. But I always hear those two different warring sides, and I feel like those kind of warring sides are also what's sort of you know congealing around this movie too a little. Bit. I was about to say they all came to a head when Man of Steel came out. Holy cow! Did they ever? Um, but it's I, I I don't I don't know I mean I like Superman fine and yeah I I don't I don't like New Fifty Two Superman right now but I, I think that's more because uh, even though you enjoyed Grant Morrison's run on action I, I don't think anybody knows how to write Superman that's currently at DC right now and if we could talk about Superman Unchained for just a second um, I, I like Snyder's right like it always seems like uh, people write one half of Superman very well. They write either Superman very well or they write Clark very well. And with Superman Unchained with just one issue, mind, I've noticed that Snyder writes Superman a lot better than he does Clark Kent. Well, why, why didn't you like about his Clark Kent? Uh, he didn't stand out at all. Like, he, I mean, I realize that's Clark. He's not supposed to stand out. But he didn't feel like a different character to me. The way he was written in that issue just felt like it was Superman with glasses on. Um, did you guys read that book? Yes. Yes. Nice. Okay, so uh, you, you also fought the poster that I fought. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, that's the first thing with Unchained. I show up at the comic shop and had to pick my jaw up off the floor after I saw that four ninety nine on the cover. <laughs> I know, man. It's it, it was, That was an insane price point. I, I can't believe they went there, um, particularly for the, a number one that uh, it comes out on the, the eve of a film. Yeah, they have, I mean, I don't know how they expect like a, a 10 year old to, to, you know, get their parents to chalk up that money. But uh, 
It's, uh, you know, WTFDC at its best, I guess. Yes, it is. Um, but, yeah, that poster hat, man, I didn't even know how to open it <laughs> at first. <laughs> yeah, and mine, I don't know about y'all's, but mine kept falling out after I tried to force it back into the book as I kept reading. Oh, yours actually came out of the book? Oh, yeah, mine fell off. And, like, I keep having to, I like, when I reread it to write room review, I kept having to stick it back on that little white tab so that way it wouldn't fall out. Yeah, it's technically a poster that's supposed to come out, even though it has story on both sides of yep. it. It has story and thought boxes and everything, and it's like, nobody wants this as a poster. That's, like, this, the stupidest thing ever, by the way. I, I mean, one of the problems I had was I didn't want to pull it out of the tab, so right. I'm looking at it, and I'm like, wait a second, that white piece of thing is covering up some of the text. So I'm, like, <laughs> having to—I'm going to suppose that what these words are <laughs> before I pull this thing out completely. Um, but I thought the issue was good on the whole. I mean, I don't like Jim Lee's art ever, but it's—I thought the writing was solid. Um the I, I don't know that the maybe the Nagasaki thing is sort of approaching bad taste in a way, but I mean I can understand that. You, you really think it's too soon since Nagasaki? No, <laughs> damn it, it's not too soon since Nagasaki. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, people did. I mean, people died. I mean, it's it's a it's a it was a horrible event when you think about it. And um, I don't. It, it might seem a little. Um, I don't know. Uh, insensitive i guess to kind of play up that oh it was some radioactive person that caused it and not a bomb mm -hmm. i don't know it would still make america look like assholes either way uh, spencer you were you were you you weren't as much a fan of this book right am i did i hear right yeah not so much i was kind of underwhelmed by it all and i don't know if it, i don't think that you know i had high expectations for it either but i feel like snyder's been kind of hyping it up for a long time as as his best writing or something he says to, that for everything he does. he does say that for everything <laughs> this is gonna be my most important issue yet you know? and it was you know it was interesting to see him writing superman but it it wasn't like the be-all end-all superman writing that i've ever read and you know i haven't read a lot but it, it wasn't it it didn't feel like bounds better than everything else i've read but and then also like you said i'm not crazy about jim lee's artwork but i feel like if he has the right inker and colorist it looks good and he did not have the right inker and colorist on unchained and i'm still hung up on the title like i, I don't think the title makes sense unless oh, the yeah, title the is referring terrible. to the guy inside the bomb and not actual superman yeah perhaps so i i i I don't think that character at the uh, end of the book is particularly anyone we've seen before. He looks kind of yeah. wild stormy to me, <laughs> but uh, you know, or like almost like a, he almost kind of looks like Captain Adam in a way. Um, but I see, I was thinking he looked like earth two's Captain steel, which really confused me. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it with like the star on his chest and stuff. I guess that's what kind of what it was. Uh, but Maybe he's Earth One's Captain Steel. I don't know. I mean, it's it's it was it was okay. It was a fine book. It, it, it's a hell. It's a step above any of the Scott Lobdell Superman books. I'll say that. Yeah, and <laughs> definitely better than what Andy Diggle and Tony S. Daniel did with three issues uh, of Action Comics. Oh, uh, that book that that last issue was like just utter butt rape, man. I'm sorry, I couldn't take um, it. <laughs> I, I will say. Uh, you, we, you mentioned a lot of people are concerned that Superman's not relevant, and I think Superman Unchained helped to illustrate that, yeah, Superman's having some trouble with relevancy when the Daily Planet can edit on holograms now, and 
in the real world, newspapers can't even make a dime anymore. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. The uh, what it, Lois looked like she was on the the, the deck of the Enterprise with that. Uh, yeah, with that, that it looked like that. something that Tony Stark would use, not Lois Lane. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, that that Jim Lee design scheme, uh, amazing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it's it, it's an okay start, I guess. We'll see what issue two brings. I, I assume it's a regular ongoing series, right? Yeah, I haven't seen it written as a miniseries anywhere yet. Oh, man, well, there. I mean, it's it's. I don't know. I mean, I I find some of this new Fifty Two take of Superman kind of interesting. There there are there are things I like. Like I I love the Grant Morrison run, and um you know Superman has always had some issues in terms of its rogues gallery, and there's a lot of problems that really could be fixed with this restart. It Superman has the best opportunity for. Uh, reinvention here than anybody but i i am concerned about you know what's going to happen with action comics and what's going to happen with the main superman title and so to have another title come on i don't i don't see how this book couldn't have just been action comics you know it should have been honestly like there's no reason for this other than to get another number one in there but, well, we all know that DC likes money, so... <laughs> Indeed, based on that Villains Month uh, yep. month. Yeah, we, we went Don't way even into depth with that. Uh, no, we, we dug into the whole solicitations last week, but um, yeah, it's it, it, it's fine. I mean, I, I'm surprised Batman outsold it, though. Oh, I was not at all. I'm um, not, no. How many and units did it sell? I don't, I don't. I didn't read the numbers, but I just saw uh, the headline that said Batman number twenty one does better than Superman Unchained, which is really like a bigger story than it should be because everybody was expecting Superman Unchained to be like the highest selling comic of the year so far. I was. I was expecting it to move. Like yeah, I, I remember. Remember a certain somebody on this show saying something about that. I thought it was going to move two hundred thousand units. I mean, I don't know what the final unit you know pull's going to be, but if I'm, I'm just shocked that Batman outs, outsold it. I guess that's just the statement of DC's. Uh, current status quo, though. I mean, Batman books sell, and yeah, and it's Batman, a new arc, also. Yeah, that and it's a new arc. It was hyped, and really, it was also a lot better than Superman Unchained. I haven't read it yet. Um, so is it good? It's alright. It. <laughs> I'm we never got, a big fan of like the first issue of Scott Snyder's stuff, except for The Wake. I love The Wake, but Snyder, whenever he starts a new arc or something, always takes a little while to build for me. What were you saying, Shane? I mean, I liked it. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, Something Spencer I know really hates that's in it. There's a lot of little in jokes about, oh, this is going to become this later on and stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, like there's some like uh, mechanics shop that uh, his dad used to work at. And in addition to being a doctor or something and the logo for it on the hat looks like the Robin logo and all that. And there's a bunch of just little references. Uh, but... Why did you have to tell me that? Now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I liked it. Uh, they bring in this, is Philip, is his uncle Philip a brand new character? Is that something Snyder invented? I, I, I can't say I've ever heard. I, I've never <laughs> yeah, heard he of it. He has an uncle Philip that shows up. Oh, no. um, it could be, be, I don't only. know the Kane family, so. Yeah, uh, they name, they give him the last name Kane, which is, seems like such a service to who created Batman, but whatever. Well, no, but I guess well that's a family. That's, well, that's his, yeah. his mother's maiden name. Yeah. It's still. Yeah, and it's also bat. It's the Batwoman family, right? I mean. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I mean, I, I never can remember how this works. Like, who, who is, you know, how, I mean, I assume Kate, Kate Kane's father in Batwoman is related to that Kane fan. Is a part of that Kane family, right? Is that right, or is there somebody else? Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's, I can't even remember. Oh, it's like hell. 
All right, I can't. I can never get this figured out because there's been two Kath, There's been two Kathy Canes that are like in continuity, and I don't remember which one. I don't remember like how the relation works anymore. It's so damn confusing. Um, yeah. DC, awesome. But um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't read that book yet. I haven't read Thor yet either. Man, there's so much crap I haven't oh, even touched. Thor was so good. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I was generally pleased with everything I read this week. All right. Just to kind of put a put a cap on that. All right. I'll 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 get on it sometime tomorrow probably uh, before I have to go buy the next round of books on Wednesday. Yep. Um. But anyhow, yeah. So the movie that 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 was awesome. I thought generally. <laughs> now nah, I mean it, there, I had some issues with it and all. But did everybody have a good time? Yeah, yeah. I liked it a lot. It was very entertaining. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, um, you know. I, I, I don't know. You guys don't have a lot of familiarity with Superman in terms of the comics. I mean, y'all read some stuff, so you, I mean, obviously you know the origin story. But did you get a chance to ever see the Superman films before this one, or like, have did you ever watch the TV shows? Uh, let, let, let's start with uh, let's start with Spencer first. Yeah, I've seen all the movies. I, I'm you know, I've, he was in the cartoons, Justice League. Uh, I remember the adventures of Lois and Clark from when I was very young. Did you, than, I, I think my biggest frame of reference is the movies, though. Right on. Did Did you have like a favorite of uh, of that whole group? I mean, was there like uh, your Superman, sort of like how somebody has their Doctor? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm I'm that interested in Superman to claim one as my own. Sure, sure. Uh, but if I have to pick a favorite, I probably the the first movie is is pretty great. Right on. Right on. Brian, what about you? I saw the first Superman movie when I was really little and barely even remember it. Um, so for movies, I've mostly just seen uh, Superman 2 recently. And uh, Superman Returns, I saw when that came out and was not a fan of that at all. Uh, but I did kind of grow up watching you know, Justice League and the Superman Adventures show um, in the 90s. So that's my sort of frame of reference for Superman is those uh, you know, Bruce Timm, Paul Denise stuff. And Shane, you? I'm just shocked nobody brought up Superman 64 for the N64. But uh, <laughs> uh, I got to fly, you know, that, that 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 flying through the rings challenge, man. Yeah, um, no, uh, I never watched the Justice League cartoon or Justice League Unlimited. My only DC animated show I ever watched was Batman, and so and that became so much where I could claim Kevin Conroy as my Batman. I think, but yes. I really don't think I can lay claim to a Superman. Um, I didn't really become very invested in Superman until about a year and a half ago when I started watching Smallville and which probably a lot of people, if they're listening, they might roll their eyes at that. They know oh, that's not, that's not really Superman. How did that get you to get into Superman? But whatever, I like it. I'm still working my way through it. I watched an episode today about a crazy Amish family abducting Lois Lane, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it seems so out of place. It's like season 10's building along. And then we have this episode about, crazy Amish people wanting to burn Lois Lane with blue kryptonite. Oh, but that's amazing. Anyway, um, yeah, I've never seen any Superman movie before Man of Steel except for Superman Returns, which I saw in theaters. And I remember going to go see it just because I was like, oh, well, all these super superhero movies are coming out at the same time. Isn't that neat? And here's Superman, and I, I don't know a lot about him, but I better go see this movie just because it came out. And I remember Kevin Spacey being the only thing I enjoyed out of the entire like four hours that movie lasted. So, oh hush, that movie is not that bad. <laughs> I, I actually, I'm, I'm in agreement with with Spencer on this. I I, I saw that movie twice in the theater, and I, I I liked it pretty well, honestly. There's I 
it's one of those movies that I feel like gets a bad rap from a lot of people because it wasn't the Superman movie they were expecting. And more on that when we get into Man of Steel. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, sure. But I, I don't. I found it very thoughtful. And I mean, there, there's certainly some elements that I wish they didn't have. Like I wish they didn't have Jokey Donner Lex Luthor. And I wish, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I wish it had fewer ties to the Donner films in the first place because I'm not a big fan of those movies, uh, particularly as 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 the as that moved on into later entries, you know. But they're not even really Donner films at that point. But yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll call it the Donner verse. How about that? Um, but I, I I don't even particularly like the first one that much. I don't think it's aged that well, and so I, I've always had problems with uh, this idea that. Uh, Superman should be sort of frozen in amber from like 1978 and on. And uh, everyone has, has has sort of held up these films in such high regard. But in my opinion only, they, they're not exactly Star Wars, you know? Um, they're not yeah. They're not the Wrath of Khan. It's, you know, they're, they were solid movies, but not great, other than a wonderful Christopher Reeve performance, uh, who is tremendous as Superman, of course. And I do advise you do at least watch it at some point, Shane, if you get a chance. But uh, more, more I'm, pressingly, I'm seven. I'm like seventy percent sure I watched it as a kid, like renting it from Blockbuster, and I'm almost definitely sure I fell asleep watching it. Uh, well, <laughs> give it another chance. I mean, just to just to say you saw it all the way through. But what I was going to say was more pressingly, how the hell have you never seen Justice League Unlimited? <laughs> I I really don't know. Uh, was that like early two thousands that cartoon was going on? Two thousands. Um, yeah, that sounds right. For some reason, I never watched it. I don't know why. I remember Spencer watching it. Uh, for those who don't know, Spencer and I are brothers, and I remember Spencer watching it, and I just never watched it for whatever reason. But I I watched Batman. So. Yeah, I mean it's 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 awesome, man. Like you know how Batman has um you know it, it's very episodic storytelling. Like nothing really right. connects his overall story arc. Well, by Justice League Unlimited, it's it's one big long serial long serial story, and it's fa- it's fabulous, man. It's it's. I mean, it's nothing about the quality of it. It's just I never watched it. Oh, you got to see yeah. it. It's fa- It's good. It's the best. It's the best thing that DC Animation's ever done. Though it's all on Netflix. Yeah, it is now. Yep. Both Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. You have un- you have Netflix, don't you? I bum off a of Spencer's. Oh, there so. you go. Yeah, it's what's what's the difference, right? I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think the police are gonna come knocking on your door, you know. Uh, I mean, does anyone not bum Netflix off of somebody? No, man. I man, I've been paying for Netflix since like two thousand six <laughs> or seven. Um, but uh, I I remember getting the discs all the time. I had like a th- I had three discs yeah, a month at one point. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it, it's totally great, man. They added that a couple of weeks ago. Same time they added Adventure Time, so. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> so good. I know, Hannah's hooked. Hannah's absolutely hooked. But, um, the, the uh, the, all right, so, the, let's, let's, let's just talk a little bit about Man of Steel then, since we've been sort of. Pe- <laughs> a little bit. Since we're, since we, we've been pee-footing it around it a little bit. Um, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. I probably don't like it as much as anybody else on this particular podcast, but I did enjoy it well. Um, I, I, I think it was a film that I think I think it answered 
a lot of the criticisms of the last movie, and it's certainly the direct opposite of the last movie. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I enjoyed a lot of it. Um, I, I particularly enjoyed the the revisions to his uh, Kryptonian uh, origins completely. I mean, I thought that was the most spectacular part of the movie altogether. But um, I guess let's start there. The uh, so the new Krypton looks pretty good. Uh, you've got Russell Crowe as Jor El. And uh, you know it's it's a bit it's a bit of a newly realized universe there. It, all, it it felt a little more I don't know I don't want to say Star Wars like, but it had a very fantasy like setting, don't you think? Yeah, the creatures particularly looked like more something at home on Avatar than at, at Krypton, but yeah, it was very very different. Yeah, I, I, I at first I thought I was gonna start rolling my eyes when I saw Jor-El riding around on a dragon, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought, oh, well, that doesn't look so bad. And and Hannah's brother Daniel whispered over to me, and she was like, and he was like, um, you know, this is my favorite part of the movie. I mean, it's it was very <laughs> it was very in line with someone who is really into just sci-fi fantasy and not superhero stuff. So I, I thought that was a successful like re re envisioning altogether. But did did you guys think the same thing, uh, Brian and Spencer? Yeah, I liked it a lot. Uh, like you said, it does have more of that, you know, sci-fi fantasy feel for it, and that is usually what I go towards. So that's a good way to start the movie and grab in people that aren't usually into Superman. I was gonna say, ask the Star Wars guy if he liked the more Star Wars elements <laughs> of the Superman movie. I did. I did. <laughs> well, yeah. The uh, I, I wasn't real crazy about. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this when when Zod gets put in the Phantom Zone. Oh. Was, was I? Was, was Those I, things looked a little awkward. Yeah, did, didn't these look like big, big dildos to you guys? Or what? <laughs> Spencer, oh, yeah. was that not the first thing I said to you, like the next day after we saw it? <laughs> I think so. I mean, if they, they they get put in like these dildo rockets that shoot off into this <laughs> sort of semi-vaginal-looking octopus thing. Uh, I, I just want to know, like, why didn't you know Zack Snyder and everybody else saw that, and and no one pointed out. Hey, those look like dildos. I, yep. I totally missed that. So. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad. There I'm you glad go. you There's did. A go see the movie again. So. <laughs> I know. I, at some point, I'm probably going to because I need to take it in again um, for anything I may have missed. Yeah, that was probably the only neg- really the only negative to say about that uh, that whole Krypton sequence is that that's so awkward. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense that. Uh, all of Krypton's data was stored on what looked like an uh, ape's skull, but uh, <laughs> I was I was willing to go with it. Um, and really, that's where like all that whole Krypton sequence is where it started with me kind of questioning. Well, maybe Zod's kind of justified in a lot of what he's doing. I mean, yeah, he's kind of an asshole, but he's he, he's a little bit justified. Wait, remind me, what the hell was Zod doing? I, I've already forgotten. He's just upset at politicians being politicians, which I mean, that's kind of. Speaking to the times, I think. Yeah, but he wanted to eliminate. Yeah, but you don't have to have a coup. He was starting to get a little Hitlery. Wait, wait, wait. wait, Yeah. So wait, he was trying to throw a coup. Coup? Is that what you were saying, Spencer? That's what it seemed like to me. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he outright said that he was going to like eliminate bloodlines. So he was going to be picking which future Kryptonians were allowed to be born. So he was getting a little. You know, Hitler and you know, picking the genetics that are acceptable. But did they define why he was doing that exactly? Like, what his? Like... It just seemed like he was frustrated. Yeah, because the politicians had let things stagnate, and because they were ruining the world by you know letting all the resources get dried up and you know Krypton exploding because of it. Oh, so it was. The, so they they were intimating that it was the politicians' decisions that were that led to Krypton's destruction. That's what it's... it sounded like from Zod and even from Jor-El, Yeah. 
Okay. Wow. You know that that the fact that I I couldn't even pick up on that might be a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's like discussing it now openly. It's kind of like, oh, that's a bit of too much of a forced metaphor for my liking. Yeah. Well, I just I didn't quite. I, I guess I mean I, I I mean I figured that the destruction of Krypton was like a naturally occurring thing. And one of the things that confused me is when Jor El said, oh, "I have the answer to our problems with the, you know with this baby or whatever." But I was thinking, how how is the baby going to be an answer to this at this point? Because but then they explain it. <laughs> yeah, the explanation definitely comes later for that. Oh yeah, I guess so. I, I, well, him being the natural birth and all that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. But um, the only thing with Krypton that seemed like you know people. Uh, go so much into this movie, the people who've been criticizing are like, oh, it's not like the comics. And the only thing on Krypton itself that I felt you could say was not disingenuous, like, or was disingenuous to the comics was uh, the sun wasn't exactly red. It wasn't? Oh, th- th- yeah. that's fine. It was like an orangish color. <laughs> You're colorblind. <laughs> oh, it- <laughs> I-, I am colorblind, actually. Um, I-, I-, I barely, honestly, I didn't even, like, think to look at the sun. Now there's all these little things. I, when I go yeah, see that movie I didn't again, even notice it. yeah, when I go see the movie again, I'm gonna have to like notice all the design stuff because I I, I just completely missed out on so yeah. Much some of, that. of the design things were a little odd, like the way the ships were designed and uh, these little like mirrors floating around with everybody talking to them and stuff was a little odd. But I mean, I it worked. I feel like yeah, yeah, and I I I, I think I enjoyed the. Um, just just generally the performances from a couple of the actors too at the same time like i mean i thought russell crowe was excellent um i mean he was kind of i mean he was doing what russell crowe does i mean he wasn't doing he wasn't really stretching his range or anything but i guess at this point when you get a russell crowe performance where he's not singing uh, this is a good russell crowe performance um oh. yeah i know sorry <laughs> low blow but uh I I did uh, I did notice that it seemed like everyone had a British or German accent except for Zod. Um, it, was was I imagining things? I think so. I didn't pick up on any British accents in the movie. <laughs> uh, okay. I, 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 yeah. I, I was just thinking on Krypton itself. I was going from Russell Crowe's accent, but um, and okay. And um, the, well, the ac- there was the one guy. The uh, he was like a scientist. The one that uh, he he figures out what happened to the Codex. He had kind of a German accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess I didn't hear like any other American accents for any of the Phantom Zone criminals, but uh, I don't know what kind of accent you would you would say uh, Feora had. She, they were definitely all very foreign. Well, Feora's German. She's a German actress, so I, I would assume that was kind of a German accent. It was very yeah, hard. Yeah, maybe so. Um, so it just, I guess, apparently in Krypton they have the same sort of regional dialects that we have. <laughs> Um, I, I did like the idea of colonization, though. I thought that was really clever. Um, and I guess that plays in that prequel comic that came out right before the movie, uh, which, and I thought that origin of the Fortress of Solitude, uh, which I guess is no longer in existence. Didn't it <laughs> I was about to say, do we want to call it the Fortress since it went away? Yeah, since it went flying. Um, but it, it kind of it kind of played as the Fortress in a way, without having you know have to deal with like giant crystals and throw that he's throwing into the Arctic or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I liked it, okay, and I thought that was smart. And I, and I like the idea that they've sort of gone out and like colonized parts of the universe, and they've they sort of abandoned that idea later. And um, I don't know. I guess it leads to some interest, intriguing story possibilities. Like it could lead to like the um, 
I don't know, maybe Argo City is out there somewhere and nobody even knows about it, you know, yeah. um, without it being like some thing that was stolen off of Krypton. <laughs> yeah. Um, but maybe maybe I'm also writing the story for David Goyer at this point. Um, well, he, he probably needs a little bit of help. <laughs> maybe so. Just give him a push in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so the, uh, you, you know, for me, what was interesting about Man of Steel is that it seemingly had two giant um, action set pieces. You had Krypton, and you had uh, all the stuff that came at the end. <laughs> all the yeah, fighting. You can't even separate it. Like, there's only, like, two minutes separating these two action sequences at the end. Right. I mean, it doesn't feel like there's even an act two at all. Um, and it's sort of like the flashbacky stuff. Um, but for me, that might have been, like, the stuff that I liked the least about the movie. But uh, just the flashbacks. Um, I felt like people would have liked the Kevin Costner stuff more if we hadn't seen pretty much all of it in the trailers. Yeah, yeah it's true. I, I felt like I just didn't learn, you know, why he's a good guy. Um, like I, we we get that Kevin Costner doesn't want him to be discovered by uh, you know the authorities or by anybody, but it seem it seems like I never got a good grasp on why he wants to be a hero in the first place. Yeah, he's got these powers, but I mean, what what drives him to do good things at all? Yeah, there was definitely more focus on you know Pa Kent pushing him to keep the secret than teaching him to be that selfless person. Right. Um, I, I mean, it, it, did, did that stuff work for you, Shane or Spencer? I, I, I felt like it did, and I I liked the way that they structured it, since it, it sets it apart, for better or worse, from other superhero movies. So And so instead of, you know, your traditional act one of, oh, here's your character, here's him being kind of a weirdo and an outsider, and oh, now he has these powers, and how does he develop these powers? What does he do with these powers? I, that was just more of a breath of fresh air than to see, you know, the same opening 20 minutes that you've seen in Green Lantern and Spider-Man and every other superhero movie. <laughs> uh, the, the films that shall not be spoken about on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. I don't even want to think about Green Lantern if I can help it. So yeah, I guess you're right. And Hannah told me that was one of the things she liked the best was that it it did eschew like typical uh, movie structure. I mean, every movie yeah. has three acts more or less, and for you know them to just go straight from Act One to Act Three, it that was interesting um, and and a little daring in its own way. Uh, whether you know you, you enjoyed all those acts or not, but. Um, I, I there, there there were some interesting changes to the mythos that I thought were also quite good, and one of the things that I think really stood out. Well, well, first let, let's just let's, let's let me backtrack. Henry Cavill, good Superman or not? Yeah, good Superman. Um, I think he was very good. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was. Uh, I, the first time I saw it, I thought he was good, but I felt he was completely overshadowed by how amazing I thought Michael Shannon was in the movie. So I was glad I've seen it twice now. Uh, because the second time I was able to focus more on Henry Cavill and focusing more on him the second time, I, yeah, I think he's really good. And since I haven't seen Christopher Reeve's movies, I guess I would have to say he is my Superman then. I guess we're going to lay claim to anyone. Well, sure. I mean, that makes sense. I, I have to tell you the funniest moment in the theater. We went to the midnight screening at um, at uh, the at big – was it the Regal 24 off 85? And I was I was there with a big group of my friends, and uh, we this this group of uh, gay guy friends of ours were were sitting next to Hannah and I, and they had that scene where Henry Cavill 
like or Clark, excuse me, goes and like stops the thing, the big, the wall of of um, <laughs> whatever it was uh, at that um, refinery that from rig. falling on the guys. He had the oil rig, and when and when he he grabs it, they pan from his face and arms all the way down to his abs and they just stop at his abs. And my friend, <laughs> and my friend Connor just starts laughing so hard. And I was like, well, that, that, that was filmed for you, my friend. <laughs> he was a huge Henry Cavill fan. And I think Hannah walked out as a big fan too. <laughs> um, so I, I guess Zack Snyder kind of knew what he was doing there, but uh, I mean, it was. I like him. I mean, I wish he had gotten more. Yeah, to say, what about him? Yeah, what about him makes him a good Superman for the rest of you? Because I mean, we didn't really see his Clark Kent. We're not gonna. I mean, he finally became what we know as Clark Kent at the very end of the movie. So we're not really gonna see his Clark Kent until a sequel. So what makes him good at being Superman? The uh, interrogation scene, the way he interacted with Lois and the army. That that really showed that he 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 understands the kind of humble qualities of Superman to me at least. Yeah, and he, I don't know, he had kind of a confidence about him even as he was, you know, learning these things for the first time about how to really be this hero out in the world. Uh, and I like the confidence there, even as he was very green at all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. Uh, the thing I liked best was his physicality. I mean, yeah. Christopher Reeve is a, was a very graceful Superman. He was sort of like Superman as a dancer, and that that's nice. I, I like that, and that there's a reason why um, there's a reason why he's always been considered the quintessential Superman because he looked so much like him. But this is like the Superman of like the mid '90s and late 90s that was just bulky and big like Ed McGuinness's Superman or Dan Jurgens' Superman who looked like he could, you know, actually win a fight without his super strength, you know? Well, as long as he doesn't grow a mullet. He, right, exactly. <laughs> or turn electric blue, you know? Um, but I I just just looking at him, at him in his suit with the voice, the face, I mean, now I'm not sure I could even look at Christopher Reeve's Superman anymore. Um, I mean, he has all those quintessential, like, steely blue-eyed, black hair qualities that I uh, I didn't think I'd, they'd ever be able to find an actor that could do that. I mean, he even has the cleft chin. I mean, my <laughs> gosh, he looks just like the Superman I would imagine. And I didn't think I would, I didn't think as, think so much of that when I was seeing all the stills and stuff. But then when I finally saw the movie, I was like, wow. This is really great. I wish he had had more lines of dialogue to say. Yeah, I really think his facial expressions are where he really sells his performance, particularly um, when he's flying for the first time. I think that's when he really sells his performance as Superman because he just looks so damn happy that he's able to fly. And like, you're kind of just like, well, I think I would be that happy if I learned I was able to fly. <laughs> Oh sure, absolutely, and I um I I really like the new costume by the way. I know that a lot of people don't, but New Fifty Two is my favorite, but this might be my second favorite. But I mean, no red, no wear, no red underwear. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, thought... I mean, I was never I was never a purist for the red underwear, and I don't understand why people are, but whatever. Are you kidding me? I've gotten into arguments with guys about this, man. I mean, like online constantly, like people are like, bring back the red trunks, bring them back, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, that is such a relic of the 1930s and 40s. 
that mm-hmm. it just has no it has absolutely no relevancy to today's uh, outlook. I mean, I think if a superhero show, I mean, first off, if a superhero showed up, I'd probably shit my pants. But um, <laughs> if if a superhero showed up wearing underwear on the outside, people would laugh his ass off at this point. I mean, had it not been something we'd seen in our lexicon for, you know, 75 years but well, if you think about it in this movie he's wearing his underwear the whole time that's what i brought up too i was like he's wearing kryptonian under rouge is what they brought up because they show everybody else wearing armor and then he's just wearing what's under the armor yeah i, I thought that was a creative way of explaining the costume away too because it um i mean but what wh- i guess what i'm surprised is why the hell didn't his dad give him some battle armor to go with it it's like that's like um it'd be like my dad giving me the giving me long johns but not giving me a, a fucking overcoat to go with it <laughs> yeah i thought the same thing it's not um but i i guess maybe such a thing was not available on that kryptonian scout ship i don't know um, Which, um, that's one complaint people have lodged about the movie, is that how he gets the costume makes no sense at all. That it was just sitting in that ship for however many thousands of years. Well, and you I, have to have extra underwear. <laughs> extra underwear and a cape to go with it. And um, especially if you're going on a long trip. And and thank <laughs> and thank God that underwear came already with your family's seal sewed onto it. So. Yeah, well, without necessarily getting too spoilery into the prequel comic aspect of it, uh, the ship was piloted by someone from the House of L. So, are oh, you talking about See, you're, ta- you're talking bit... about Kara Zor-El? Oh, I spoiled it. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, yeah, I was about to say we're, we're like spoilers are kind of a go, and especially with a prequel comic because let's let's be honest, I think you're the only one of us that has read it and probably will read it. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so Kara Zor-El, she Supergirl was the <laughs> pilot of the ship. <laughs> So she came to Earth 20,000 years earlier. Yeah, and you actually see her walking off of the ship at the end. So potentially there's a you know 20,000-year-old Supergirl running around Earth right now. <laughs> oh, so she, she survives at the end of this thing. Yeah, we just don't know at the end of it whether she gets extreme longevity or not. But she was alive at the end of the comic. Interesting. Well, they, they might have to uh, adjust that because if she shows up in a sequel, people will be confused as to why she didn't help him fight Zod at all. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> wow. Well, she is 20,000 years old. She's probably an old lady at this point. Probably not even in existence, because, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a version of, of Superman that's lived past, like, a thousand years. I mean, I know... Let's say All-Star Superman's the only one that has him living several thousand years. Yeah, I mean, there's the DC One Million or whatever, but um, there's, there's, like, special circumstances to him living that long. I mean, yeah. when he becomes Superman... Uh, whatever the hell it's called, not Superman Prime or Prime Superman or whatever, but when he's, like, all gold, you know? Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and look. <laughs> um, are you, are you going to buy that omnibus, by the way, Brian? I probably am. Not necessarily right when it comes out, but I'd be surprised if I don't have it by Christmas. Oh, wow. Ugh, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, you're going to have to, like, talk to me about that and tell me if it's worth buying or not. Um, yeah. but, uh, I, I, but if that's Kara Zor-El's costume... Why is it fitted for a man? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, it's got it's got man pecs. Yeah, on like it. you were, yeah, you were contacting me yesterday about a plot hole that you were concerned about, but I really think that the costume I think is the biggest plot hole I noticed is. Why was that there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, I did. That's that's a bit of an issue altogether. I mean, there's. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I try. I try not to even like think about it too much because I mean, in the old Donner movies. 
I mean, he basically tosses that that uh, crystal. It makes the Fortress of Solitude. He walks into the Fortress of Solitude when he's a teenager, and then he flies out in the costume like 20 years later, or however old he is, 15 years later. So they don't even bother to explain it why it would be in there. So um, I mean, what was wrong with the original explanation that Ma can't sewed it for him? Uh, um, well, Ma can't what, is really? in Superman the movie like five minutes. So <laughs> um, I, I totally. I mean even though Kyle seems to be a little bit disgusted with the idea, I would have loved if they had an Earth One moment with him wearing that costume and some kid's like, nice costume, and he's like, thanks, my mom made it for me. Well, I like the idea that it's Kryptonian battle armor of some sort, and that's the only yeah, thing I think the new picture gets like right. Well. Yeah. I mean, when he's... I don't mind, like... I, look, Brian and I talked about this yesterday, but... <laughs> The idea that when Superman was doing good deeds when he was Superboy or whatever, he was wearing jeans and a t-shirt and had a cape on, you know? I thought that was kind of rocking. But the um, you know, the actual suit, I don't know. If you sit down and think about it, why would your mother make something like that for you? Because she's old and old-fashioned. <laughs> she's old-fashioned, but she's... My gonna... mom would probably sew a cape onto something if I told her I wanted a superhero costume, so... But, well, now, because that you know Superman's in the is, is a big part right. of, like, our cultural touchstones, but right. if you didn't... If you were in a world where there wasn't a Superman, why the hell would she slap a cape on there for you? Presumably there was another superhero in that world to take his place. I don't know. No, that, but Goyer said there's not. Uh, I just I, I just saw... Well, I mean, not like a, a real one. Oh, you I mean, mean like kind of like comic books? Oh yeah. well, maybe, or maybe they maybe they just read pirate comic books, like in The Watchmen. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm sure they're all reading up on some Black Freighter. In right, there. exactly. You know, it's uh, <laughs> uh, they probably understand it as much as much as anybody else does. I so. ate too much horror. Um, sorry, a quote from that. But the um, okay, so all right, so we have Clark, and then we have Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Um, I will say that I actually loved Amy Adams as Lois Lane. Again, she didn't get a lot to do. Right. Yeah. But I thought, as a you know, when you put a great actress even in an underwritten role, a great actress can make it work, and she is tremendous. Um, maybe maybe uh, better than that film actually deserves when you think about it. But uh, were you guys into her at all? Yeah, I shared a similar opinion to you. I I, I really enjoyed her her performance, but I felt like she didn't have a lot to do. And I think this goes back to a lot of the characters in the film that her presence in many of the sequences were there just because they felt like they needed to be there. Yeah. There were a lot of times where she didn't really need to be doing what she mm -hmm. was doing, but it moved the story along. Uh, but I did like her in the role. Uh, you know, she did the best with what she had to work with. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm kind of with all of y'all. She was a very underwritten part. I felt, um, she didn't have hardly anything to do, but I mean, Amy Adams is going to do the best she can with what she has, and she's just one of those actresses. So, I mean, she was fine. I was never worried about her performance at all. Yeah, and I, I like that they sort of lent her an opportunity to do a little bit of mythos busting, too. Um, that was my favorite part of the whole movie. I, a lot of people have told me that. And uh, this, I mean, I know I, that in these interviews I've read with David Gore, I've read like four of them already the past couple <laughs> of days. He's interviewed with a lot of people. But one of the interviews where he said he, that was the part that they were proudest of was that uh, they think the uh, Lois superman clark triangle it's just a thing of the past i mean yeah and they just they don't even want to mess with that that um 
I mean, it was a conceit of the 50s and 60s and 40s, really, this idea that the woman's not going to be smart enough to understand <laughs> that, you know, this man puts on glasses, he becomes a little more nebbish, and it's not the man she's in love with, and she likes the more muscular guy, you know. And uh, they, I'm glad that they just completely got rid of that. And, I mean, some of the people that came to the movie with me thought the exact same thing. And they're not Superman fans at all. So to be able to sort of pull in that general audience perspective, I think is pretty, pretty nice. I think it's just an example of one of a lot of things they do in that movie to make Superman a bit more relevant. Even if it's not a problem that someone might think exists, that Superman's not relevant, I think it's still cool that they addressed any issues that someone might have with his relevancy. And I think they were mostly successful in making him relevant to these times. Well, I think that a lot of uh, the reason that that works in this movie, it has to do a lot with Amy Adams' performance. Because when you look at the uh, the Donner movies, you buy that, that uh, Lois doesn't realize Superman and Clark are the same person because Margot Kidder just plays this really spacey, and like you know, smart but kind of dopey Lois. Right. So, like like she know she you know she knows her way around a story and and how to write you know except for the spelling errors, but you just you just buy it with Margot Kidder's performance and with Amy Adams you're, you you would be turned off if she couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I mean it was the best character moment for Lois in the movie by far. You know, figuring it out before he even becomes Superman. You know, this yeah. is something people complain about all the time is, you know, how dumb is Lois that she can't figure this out. And finally, in this movie, she figures it out long before it's even something to figure out. So um, somebody answered this for me, though. I got a bit of a plot hole question. Then I brought this up with Shane already. So why exactly did Zod want Lois on the ship? <laughs> that there was no good reason. Um, like when she you know, came off of the ship, she was like, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't want to give him any information, but he pulled it from my mind. And it's like, well, it doesn't matter because he pulled it out of, you know, Clark's mind anyway. She was just up there as a mechanism to get uh, information from Jor-El. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? Is yeah. To rephrase your question, why did David Goyer want uh, <laughs> Lois yeah. on the ship? Exactly. It's so that he could have that moment between robot Jor-El and uh, and Lois. Oh, that's yeah. Fair. It was to move the story along, Zod didn't need her at all. Well, I, I'm wondering what information could he have even pulled from Lois's mind? I mean, what does she know exactly? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she yeah, knew I don't who know he what... was. Well, yeah, and even then, yeah, Superman but why should he care? He <laughs> yeah, Superman knows who he is. I mean, he's able to dig into his mind, and he's wearing a baseball T-shirt for some he reason. He could have <laughs> potentially been worried that he couldn't get into Superman's mind. That's all I can figure is that he wanted a backup. Yeah. But really, yeah, I mean, it was, it was obvious they, they have the story along. Yeah, they have some kind of connection that was obvious to everyone, and really that was the only thing I could think of, and that's not really a good enough explanation. Yeah, that was not my favorite part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think if there there has to be something on the cutting room floor that we're missing, and um, I, I that 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 bothered me the rest of the movie. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah, that was the one thing that really bothered me. I agree. I'm not used to like Goyer having giant plot holes like that. I mean, I, you know, Goyer as a scriptwriter has a lot of lot of problems. In that all of his characters, <clears throat> excuse me, they all, they basically all speak in very expository sentences. So yes. they constantly say exactly what is on their mind at that time, you know. And uh, <clears throat> the, 
And so there was a lot of that in Man of Steel, but I've never noticed him having like gigantic logical issues within a film. And that's one of the biggest uh, logical fallacies I've ever seen in a Goyer written script. Um, I, it was it was hugely problematic for me. But I mean, it's not enough to ruin the movie. But at, at some time, I'm like, oh my god, come on. Um, but I will say the action of the film following all of that. That's probably the most exciting action I've ever seen in a, in a comic book movie ever. Yeah, I think uh, yeah. I had someone ask me, because me and Spencer saw it a week ago, and so I had someone ask me, well, is the action better than the Avengers? And I was like, in a lot of ways, yeah, because there's a lot more, um, I hate to call it fan servicing, but it kind of is. There's a lot of stuff that fans want to see in a Superman fight, and I think they put just about anything you could think of that would be awesome on Superman's part, and then awesome on things being done to Superman, like grabbing him when he's trying to fly and like force it, throwing him down on the ground and stuff like that, and... It, there were a lot more comic book type of moments in the fighting than there were in the Avengers. Now, the Avengers has a lot of comic book type moments, but not as many in the action as Man of Steel does. I, th- I think where I'll disagree with with a lot of you on this is that the action in the Avengers is character-oriented, whereas the action in Man of Steel is more... Uh, and this is going to sound like I'm bashing the movie, but I'm not. The action in Man of Steel is more kind of clipped together so that you can make it into a trailer. Yeah. Yeah, I know that that makes sense. It, that it's just action for action's sake. Yeah, yeah. You got to like, have your you got to have your product placement. You got to have your fight in Sears and your fight in IHOP. Oh god. Like the, the, the big fight on the streets of, of a of a Smallville with, you know, Superman and Feyora. That's probably and you know, and then like the final fight with Zod. Those are probably the the closest it got to where it felt like two characters fighting and not just like everything blowing up and oh god, everything's terrible. <laughs> I mean, everything blowing up was very intentional, though. Like you mentioned earlier, you know, this is the opposite of Superman Returns, where nothing gets punched. Uh, right. You know, this was the punching movie. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I, people were still upset. Right. And I, I, I mean, you know, it's like, be careful what you wish for um, to a certain extent. But it was nice to see, like, Heat Vision. I mean, like, real Heat Vision was awesome. Looking. I, mean, I know. Yeah, I know. I talked about it a lot last week when we were recording but god heat vision i think is the best thing in that movie in terms yeah, of his I mean, powers like you see that the heat vision even causes them pain like every time one of them uses it they like wince afterwards like yeah that's what that was one of my favorite parts of the action sequences right at the very beginning when it starts and he cracks open zod's helmet and zod's just got all those powers rushing at him at once yeah, I mean, and I think that uh, since we're talking about Smallville, can we talk about Feora for a moment? Because uh, one, she awesome. one, she was awesome. Two, totally hot. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think she was probably my favorite villain of the whole movie. I mean, oh no, definitely. I, I like her more than Zod. I have to be honest, man. I think as much as I like Michael Shannon, I think Zod's a little bland. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I disagree. Um, I think that part, I mean, this is going to be spoilers, but I mean, if you if you don't know spoilers by now on this show, then I don't know what you're looking for. But um, when he has that whole bit where he's like, I was designed to protect Krypton and now I have nothing. I was like, oh, man, maybe maybe Zod was was right in doing everything he had done. Just for a second, I thought that. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I just I, there was just nothing about Zod that really interested me. He he didn't have those dynamics that you see with like the Joker, you know, in Dark Knight or Bane even uh, in the Dark Knight Rises. I don't think the dynamic with the Joker is that he's a mystery. 
Well, no, but it's there's just a character element that draws you towards them. Right. I, I mean, even Kevin Zod's said, would be that he's angry all the time. Yeah, I mean, Zod's Zod's char- defining character is just him spitting and screaming, and it, it, yeah, I mean, in that scene on Krypton when they were getting in prison, you know, he screamed, "I'll find him!" like ten times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, made for a good trailer moment. <laughs> yeah, no, sure it did. It, it absolutely, even if even it didn't feel that natural. Um, I just didn't. I never could graft onto Zod throughout the movie, and all. And I hate to say this, and people are gonna say, ugh, but I was I was really longing for Lex Luthor, um, like a really charismatic villain. That um, not yet, but I think if he is not in the sequel, they they would have made a huge mistake. I mean, it seems like. I mean, I saw the LexCorp trucks. I mean... Right, there were the trucks and there was the building. I mean, it's possible that he won't be in the sequel, but, I mean, it, it see, he seems to be the villain. Though Everyone I know is asking for Brainiac. Like, Yeah, Luthor can't be the only villain at this point, because, like we said, with all this action, you know, he would just destroy Luthor instantly. But Luthor and Brainiac as a team-up could be pretty good. Yeah, I, I the only problem I have with, like, the idea of a Brainiac like sequel as a villain or a sequel villain is um i mean we've already had an alien invasion now i mean it feels like it would be a repeat of the same story just well, so outside of luthor, take... luthor who would you want in the sequel then what's that wait outside of luthor who would you want oh i mean outside of outside of outside of luthor who would i want i don't know um I, i'm kind of into the parasite myself um actually ha- having read uh, earth two vol or earth one volume two I think yeah. there's a way to make the parasite kind of awesome. Yeah, they make it's him scary. they make him awesome in that book. I mean, so. Could you imagine some like you know zo- like just this gigantic like zombie almost type creature that just you know sucks the life out of everyone he sees and I think parasite works just because Man of Steel established that these creators if they understand nothing else they understand that these powers are going to create a lot of destruction. And I think Parasite's a good way to counter that because he can take away that power for that destruction. See, I'm hesitant for them to lean on something that is, you know, a power-taking-away story mechanic. Like, they've already seemingly potentially done away with Kryptonite. You know, they had their way of depowering him in this movie with, you know, Krypton atmosphere and stuff like that. But I would like to see a whole Superman movie where he is not depowered for any reason. Uh, It's just such a storytelling crutch for Superman that I want them to find some other way to tell a story. Well, I mean, I think that's a good point. I'll never have my dream of a Mr. Mixelplick movie. Okay, so <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't count that out just yet because I think that would be an awesome. Are you movie. kidding me? That will never. It's never happen. gonna happen. No. <laughs> <laughs> he's totally okay. Well, he's gonna be the villain in Justice League, and you're, you're gonna look silly. Uh, please, there, there is only one villain that will be in Justice League, and we already know who that's gonna be. I mean, there's... the Penguin. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Oswald Cobblepot. Um, uh, well, I mean, it, it, please, they're, they're. I mean, we'll we'll talk about this here in a second, but let me let me let me let me get to the big elephant in the room real quick because we're we talking about the uh, yeah let's talk about end. that because I so yeah so this is what's been causing people. I mean, there's a lot of stuff people have complained about with this movie, but I think this is the one moment that is ruining it for a lot of people that were already disliking it to begin with. Are, are we're all thinking of the same part, correct? Yeah. Um, with Zod and Superman. Oh, the part where they hugged it out and everything was okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah where, right. were they more right. than... The part where uh... he, sent the, he has no other options left, and so for some reason everybody wanted David Goyer to write his dig another way out of that hole. But uh, 
Yeah, so should should we just say it? Yeah, where, where where uh, Superman snaps Zod's neck and kills him? Sure. Um, the I, you know, I like that you're so blunt about I'm, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna come out right and say it. I mean, and that's probably the only thing about this movie that you can really spoil anyway. I mean, this this I, one of the things that, that I think is so funny about talking about Man of Steel is that there's very little of it that that's not spoiler proof. I mean, we know yeah. this story. We know that Zod comes out of the Phantom Zone. We know they fight. I mean, there's I love that they called it the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Uh, just to throw that out there. Oh sure, sure. It's that that I mean, there's there's some, there's some tremendous reverence for the source material, but uh, I guess the big um, concern has been from guys like Mark Wade, who have kind of launched into Twitter campaigns about how Superman doesn't kill, and this is this uh, gigantic affront to all that is right about Superman. The idea that he would kill one of his villains. And I, I just and the people being so overdramatic, and I know Spencer, you commented on this too, are the people who are like, well, now generation of kids will grow up thinking Superman's a murderer and all this. Yeah, which isn't true because we all grew up with the Tim Burton Batman movie, and he totally kills the Joker. And I still don't think of Batman as a murderer just because of that one movie. Well, or and I was like, Batman those... Returns. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, well, if those kids grow up with uh, thinking Superman's a murderer, then if they're also seeing Batman Begins, they're growing up thinking Batman doesn't have to save people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He can he can choose who lives and dies. I mean, that's I mean, th- what's the difference between that and and just murdering someone with your own hands? It's to me that's the same, um, at least to an extent. If you can save somebody, my God, I mean. So, were any of us offended that Superman killed in this movie? No, it didn't bother me at all. Nah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a cop in the line of duty. It's like, what are you supposed to do? It's either, like, find a way to incapacitate him, but then he's just going to come back. Or do you take him out right now and you're going to save potentially millions of lives? Well, and, and yeah. I mean, I've, I've made this argument yesterday, and I made this argument over Twitter a few times. Superman used to kill. I mean, in the in his golden age incarnations, he used to threaten people with death and kill guys all the time. I mean, he would let he would crash planes with gangsters on them. So <laughs> this is like not with their Tommy guns. Yeah, too. dude. I mean, I realize it's an out of date, uh, you know, reference necessarily, and it's not it's not maybe not germane to the to the here and now. But this is not like completely strange a big stranger element to Superman's mythos. So I'm I'm a little I guess I'm a little surprised that a guy like Mark Wade who knows so much about Superman's background would you know throw his hands up in the air and give up on this movie based on something that's not necessarily untrue to the early era of this character. Yeah, I've actually seen some comic panels posted around the internet today that show Superman killing Zod in a comic. Yeah, from John Byrne's run. Yeah, in the yeah. 1980s. Hell, man, I, I mean, Zod's pretty much been killed every time he shows up. He gets killed in <laughs> Superman too. I mean, when he when uh, Zod gets depowered, he smashes. He, you know, Superman cracks his, breaks his hand, then throws him off a, off a chasm in the Fortress of Solitude. So, and he smiles afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, Zod Zod actually, I think. Serves a better purpose dead than he does alive, generally. Um, and well, and then the one thing I think everyone's forgetting is it's almost like their their print of the movie ended the second he snapped his neck, and they didn't see the fact that Superman was clearly upset that he had killed someone. Yeah, it was not his first choice. Right. I mean, what was he gonna do? I mean, he there was no there was no Deus Ex Machina introduced that he could have used to depower Zod. 
You can't. There's no super jail to stick him in. I mean, he's going to break <laughs> out of any incarceration, yeah. right? Yeah, the Phantom Zone's off the table at that point, right? Because the the keys and all the the mechanisms that made the Phantom Zone reopen that Doctor Hamilton popped in. I mean, that stuff is gone because it got sucked into the Phantom Zone. It was almost like a one way trip. By the way, yeah. did Doctor Hamilton end up going into the Phantom Zone? Who's uh, Doctor Hamilton? Uh, that, he was that guy with the glasses. Yeah. Wasn't he? Um, Sure. I, I guess we'll see if he pops up in the sequel Sheesh. or not. I, I, I don't even remember what happened to him. Because I, I, he was the one that, that pulled on the he mechanism. On the plane, yeah. I mean, maybe the plane crashed. I'm not I mean, I, sure. Lois is the only one that they show falling from the plane. Yeah. I thought so, they all kind of died there at the end. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I mean, I know that. And I think that's, that's the other thing. Like, unless we want to say more about Superman killing, but I don't think there's much we can say if we're all just like, well, I don't have a problem with it. It was justified and all that. Um, the other thing people are having a problem with is apparently there's a quota I don't know about where Superman has to save a number of a certain number of people in a movie or else it's not a real Superman movie. And apparently that quota is not met with this movie for some viewers, and they're very upset that Superman doesn't save enough people in Man of Steel. Well, touching on that, you know, our friend Chris that I saw the movie with last night, he was upset about Superman killing Zod at the end because it was, you know, the laser vision is going over towards those four people, and that is when Superman chooses you know, to kill Zod. Uh, so he thinks that it would have played better if, you know, you had shown him saving more people throughout that fight. Like, they never really went out of the way to show him saving a ton of people. You see maybe one or two here or there that he, like, stops a right. truck he from falling like on. Right, he saves Yeah, but if they'd shown more of that, guy. then it might have played a little bit better. Like, if you had made that fight less just destruction and Superman and Zod smashing on each other and more showing him you know, going out of his way to save people and getting worn down as he does that, then it could have played better potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think higher stakes might, he, he probably has a point. I mean, higher stakes would have worked better. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I just can't be a beggar or chooser when I've got this insane action going on in front of me. I mean, it may not have been like the best character building moment, but Holy hell, man. It was like, uh, it was like my action figures come to life. And one of the yeah. things I, I really notice about everything about Man of Steel really is just how much how like it looked like every dollar was on that screen uh, that they spent in that movie rather than I've I've always felt like the Marvel movies looked a little cheaper um, than except for Avengers I, I think I think Avengers looks kind of cheap in places honestly Avengers does look kind of cheap in places uh, the Captain yeah, I think America Thor is the one that's... I, I think Thor is the most cheap looking of all. Oh of them. sure, oh sure, with Definitely, it with, yeah. with its Gunsmoke set that they're on and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's it. I mean, it, all those movies. I mean, you can feel them penny pinching in certain areas. And um, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're bad movies. Of course not. But I'm just saying, uh, like in the Avengers third act, while it was probably a more character driven third act, like Spencer was saying, um, I can feel the green screen behind them. Like when when they pan around from certain area to certain area, it doesn't feel like they're actively outside, and <laughs> there's no sense of the scale in which um, the action is occurring. It doesn't feel like there's a real sky above them. Um, I, and I can't say I necessarily completely felt that with Man of Steel, but at least it looked a little better. Like I did, I like I felt like I was at the human perspective of watching two gods duke it out. And that was pretty awesome to get to see on the big screen. I don't know how it'll play on, on, on my television set. Right. It might be a um, giant mess, but... Spencer, do you have anything to say about Superman saving not enough people, according to some people's opinions? 
Oh, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean he, my, there was that whole, whole scene like of that. him uh, saving the people on the boat on the uh, oil rig. I mean, right. did that did that seriously not, you know, fill a quota? Fill a quota for that? Yeah, saves, I mean, it's a great a scene. On a bus. Yeah, he saves the people on the oil rig. Saves a bunch of people on a bus. Um, he, he saves, saves the whole planet. Yeah, he saves the whole planet by extension. Um, but apparently not even the whole planet was enough people. Apparently he should have gone back in time and saved Krypton too, for it to be enough for people. <laughs> but, Flew um, around the earth, turned back time. Right. Uh, my main argument is that he's not Superman at the end of this movie. He's getting there. He's, he's better. He's further than he was at the beginning of the movie. I mean, especially since he was an infant at the beginning of the movie, but he's not Superman yet. That's going to be something that builds as these movies go on. If people actually thought he was going to be fully the Superman we know and love by the end of this movie, then, I don't know where they thought a sequel should go. Yeah, I don't really think um, uh, Bruce Wayne was Batman at the end of Batman Begins until that final no. scene. Uh, no, he's not Batman until the end of The Dark Knight, and then we find out he kind of quit being Batman. Oh, and then he's not Batman anymore. What was that, Spencer? Right. Oh, and then he's not Batman anymore. Right. He finally realizes what it means to be Batman, and then he decides to not be Batman anymore. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a whole other can of worms we're getting into. Yeah, but best not. Maybe we'll talk about that some other time. Um, but, okay, so let me let me just ask you guys this. On the whole scale of like an A to an F, each of you, what would you give Man, uh, Man of Steel? And I'll start with uh, Spencer first. I will give it... A B plus. Right on. Brian? I'm really liking it right now, so I'm going to give it an A minus probably. Okay. Shane? Uh, as we've seen from my review that got posted earlier this week, I gave it an A minus. Right, and I'm going to give it a B, just like I posted in my review. I mean, it's, I mean, there's, it's, it is a very good start. That's what I'll say. And, I, and I'm excited for where they might go. So let, let me ask you, I mean, we have San Diego Comic Con coming up in July. <laughs> Obviously, DC Entertainment has to make some kind of announcements. Well, they said they do have some kind of announcement. Right, yeah, Jeff Johns has said that in interviews with, like, Collider and a few other websites. So I don't know what said announcement might be. Um, there's there's clearly some stuff in the, in the fire for new TV shows, potentially. Um, but on the movie front, I mean, what would you like to see them do? I mean, with Avengers coming out in 2015... Marvel's already planning out 2016 and 2017, it seems. Um, what can DC do to be effective? Uh, Brian, what do you think? Uh, they're definitely going to want to announce some kind of date for Justice League, like they have you know, 10 times in the past, because they're trying <laughs> to catch up to Avengers. Um, I would well, like... technically, all this Justice League chatter until this point has been hearsay. Like It's never come from the studio. Oh, I could have sworn at some point it had once the 2015 date, bef you know, before Man of Steel was even a thing. Really, I thought was official, but maybe I was wrong. But um, either way, I think that they're definitely going to announce Justice League and try to put a date on it. They're going to talk about a sequel to Man of Steel, and yep. I would like them. You know, I know it's pretty soon after the Batman movies, but I would like them to talk about Batman because I'm not a huge fan of him being the new Batman being introduced in Justice League. Like, I would like a filmmaker to be able fair. to get that going first before Justice League starts. And uh, I mean, what what are you hearing at this point, Spencer? I mean, has there been anything in the water? No, you're you're the one with your ear to the ground at this point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everything I've heard is uh, Man of Steel sequel is being fast tracked over anything else but i mean the uh, movie made how much money did it make this weekend it was almost 200 million uh was it i think it was 120 yeah 125 i think's the numbers which isn't 
That's not that's oh. nothing to bat your but, eye at. So. But worldwide, it's about two hundred. Wow, that's awesome. That's good. That that's a that's a hell of a start. I mean, I don't know if it'll have the legs to keep going with. Uh, right, because the word of mouth is so mixed. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, the cinema score was an A minus when I last looked, but. The um that doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, <laughs> I don't. I think Green Lantern might have had a good cinema score for all I know. But uh, you know, it's it, it it's interesting to see that this movie has a compelling draw. Maybe that's to the marketing, you know, or people just enjoy it. I don't. I'm not really sure. I think people have been wanting a good Superman movie for a while. Yeah, so. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, regardless of the critical response. Um, I mean, if I mean, if I had to take a prediction at this point. And this is going to be me pulling out Kyle's crystal ball based on nothing but a bleeding cool report I saw <laughs> one time, okay? But I think what I what I think is going to happen is this. I see them announcing, obviously, Man of Steel 2 very, very soon. I think Man of Steel 2 is not... Well, they've already pretty much said it's fast track. Yeah, so. I mean, it, it, it cannot have anything earlier than a 2015 date. There's no way they're going to do this 2014 date that's being batted around. I mean, if they do, it's going to be horrific. Um, but 2015 for Man of Steel 2, whatever it's called. <laughs> it will not be Man of Steel 2. No, 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 but, you know, the sequel to Man of Steel. Man, call it Man of Tomorrow, Last Son of Krypton, whatever. But, um, or just call it Superman. Um, but I think the next thing they need to do is if they're really dead set on creating a Justice League movie next... I would really love for them to then spin that off into a couple of movies, which I think is what the thing they've always been rumored to be doing. Um, but I really would love to see a Wonder Woman film and mm -hmm. an Aquaman film. Yep. And I think, I mean, Wonder Woman seems like the obvious choice, right? I mean, it, she's the, she's the third part of the big trinity, and it's a female superhero. Um, which is something that even like Marvel hasn't made yet was a as a lead, a lead character solo female superhero. Um, it would give them an, an edge that uh, Marvel just doesn't have yet. I mean, it's just sort of like how Marvel doesn't quite have the diversity effect yet. Um, but I also am curious you know, with Aquaman. Think about this: Jeff Johns is chief creative officer for DC. And that's the book he's currently writing right now outside of Justice League. I mean, that's his passion project. And Aquaman, it really is well-known outside of the uh, fan circles. I mean, he was the focal point of that Robot Chicken episode written by Jeff Johns. Um, he has shown up in Brave and the Bold as the as the breakout character. He was in Entourage, you know. I mean, he wrote episodes of both Arrow and Smallville. Right, so. exactly. And well, I'm talking, I mean, it's, it's Aquaman and Jeff Johns are like kind of tied together right now at this point. And I have a feeling that that might be the direction they want to go. Um, and I think flash, you're saying Jeff Johns will be the writer for the movie. Uh, or um, just his, his vision no. of the character. <laughs> Did you say God? No, Spencer. No, he, he won't. The, the, the people on at the studio level, no matter how successful the comic series are, they, they don't trust a comic book writer to, to tackle a movie. That's too bad in a way. I mean, some of Jeff John's TV scripts have been pretty good. I haven't seen his Arrow episodes. His Arrow episode is phenomenal. Is it? One of, one of the best well, ones I mean, in the series. I mean, that Absolute Justice episode he did of uh, Smallville was the best of that season. Well, I liked, so. I liked his Legion of Superheroes episode, as I would. Of course <laughs> As I would. But um, I wasn't crazy about his Booster Gold Blue Beetle episode that he had. I haven't gotten to that yet, so don't ruin it for me. Oops, sorry. I won't say anything. Um, in terms of... Uh, you didn't 
cut to me, but I'll, oh, I'll yeah, throw in my predictions anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, I agree. I think Wonder Woman is most likely. Uh, since they've already said Goyer's working on a script for Man of Steel sequel, I would not be surprised if we get what the title is at San Diego. Um, I, I am almost positive. I mean, we know it's not going to be Man of Steel 2, but I am willing to put like 20 bucks down saying that it's going to be called Man of Tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. If not Man of Tomorrow, then I think Last Son of Krypton is likely, but that would not... I think Last Son of Krypton would be a better title for this movie than it would uh, a sequel. But um, I think Wonder Woman, Man of Steel sequel, I think we'll get the title to the Man of Steel sequel, and then Justice League will most likely be what they announce. But what they should announce is Man of Steel sequel, Wonder Woman, and then I'm with Brian. I think they need to announce a new Batman movie. It would meet the ire of a lot of fans who are just desperate for Christian Bale to show up again and just desperate to hold on to any scraps of that Nolan verse. But we need a new Batman. Yeah, I feel like it's too soon, but if they're gunning for Justice League, they need to do it before that movie. And you can introduce the Flash. Um, I don't. I wouldn't agree that you could introduce Green Lantern in a Justice League movie, but you could definitely introduce, if you're going to do the New 52 team, you could introduce the Flash, Cyborg, and uh, even throw in Green Arrow in a, uh, but they probably won't throw in Green Arrow since he has his own TV show. But you could definitely introduce Flash and Cyborg in Justice League. I, I mean, I will say this. I think that they're very conscious around the idea of synergy uh, with the comic books at this point. So um, I think the lineup for the Justice League would look a lot like the New 52 Justice League. Well, it's going to be that opening arc of the New 52. It's going to be Dark Side. But yeah, I mean, so I mean, but give or take Cyborg. I mean, I'd love for Cyborg to be there, but I mean, that's going to be the one thing that might be a bit of a sticking point. Um, I think that, I mean, as far as a new Batman movie goes, man, I just I feel like it's too close. It's too close to the Batman movie they already have, and I think they kind of want to play off that goodwill a little bit. Um, so if they might, as long as they don't do the origin again, I think you could get away with it. Well, no, but I, um, I just don't think there's going to be another Batman movie till after justice league. I mean, it, it, it would, there's all, cause it would create too much confusion. What they would rather do is just toss in a Batman that, uh, you never really, I mean, they, 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 they <laughs> here's not, this guy you've never seen before, but he's going to be on the team. Yeah. Yeah. But it's going to be, I mean, here's the thing. It'll be Batman with his mask on all the time. Think about that. And so it's sort of like, you know, is that Bruce Wayne? Is that John Blake? You know, and, and that way it's just, oh no, it's just Batman. And you sort of well, use. The second, it's not Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I know that. People I, know it's not John Blake. I know that, but I'm just saying it, it's <laughs> rather than introducing a whole new Batman film and a whole new Batman universe, I feel like they might use the Batman, the Nolan Batman movies, as not direct continuity continuations, but maybe as like a just a touchstone, um, something to sort of play off of and say, look, you've seen the Batman origin movie, you know, who, you know who the hell Batman is. It's yeah, the same thing I, with I Green think Lantern. You can definitely, yeah, I think Green Lantern. If they make another Green Lantern movie, they could totally reboot that franchise without doing the origin, and they can totally reboot Batman without doing the origin. Right. I mean, I think they can do a Justice League movie without doing another movie for either of those guys. Um, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little concerned about... I'm, I'm just... The main reason I think Batman, and it's kind of like what Brian was saying, where I feel like uh, you need to have... You need to establish this new Batman. But it's also part of the Trinity, too. you got to have Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, at least, I think. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, I think, um, and I think Flash makes a great everyman character. I really, really do. Um, I mean, Flash is generally the most grounded of all of the Justice League characters. He's the least godlike, even though he has an incredibly godlike power. But his attitude is something that like an audience could probably graft onto, maybe. So I wonder if you could pull together a Justice League film and have the Flash origin as sort of your point of like your starting point, and have this guy sort of end up joining the team and going from there. Look, the hell with it. I'm writing the damn movie here on the podcast, so um, <laughs> I will, I'll stop there. But um, I, it, I, there, there's going to be some big announcements, so it's kind of exciting to see where it goes. I mean, I I'm hoping that they do figure out a plan very soon. But, uh, you know, there's always the concern of who's going to write it and who's going to direct it because uh, I don't think they're going to be able to get Zack Snyder to do it all. No, I don't, I don't want so. Zack Snyder to do it all. No, I mean either. <laughs> but it's kind of like who, you know, because you're not going to get Nolan to do it either. And that they're always they, they couldn't find a director to take on Justice League. I mean, Ben Affleck turned them down. So it's sort of like what what's next? I mean, who can they pull in? Maybe Darren Aronofsky would finally come back and do something. <laughs> wouldn't that be wouldn't that be bizarre? Um, I'm down for a Darren Aronofsky JLA movie, but it's not going to happen. I mean, I I'm I'm down for that Nicholas Winding Refn uh, Wonder Woman movie. Um, well, that'll have a hell of a soundtrack, if nothing else. <laughs> right. <laughs> I haven't heard about this. Well, he's he's been wanting to. He he said he had an idea for Wonder Woman with Christina Hendricks starring as Wonder Woman. Um, but I mean, that's like the first director I know of, other than Joss Whedon wrote a script. You know. I was gonna say the way they treated Joss Whedon, they're definitely not getting. And with his ties to Marvel, they're definitely not getting him back. No, Wonder Woman, no, so. no, 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 no. But um, well, anyway, that the you know, Man of Steel, off to a great start we'll see how it carries over into the next weekend um so guys i know that y'all based on my twitter feed from the past week <laughs> i know y'all, y'all... I, I think uh, i think all three of us or well, at least me and brian lost a few followers in the carnage i didn't actually somehow i hit my twitter limit and it wouldn't let me tweet anymore during the I, I can at least and think i of didn't two, lose uh, any followers there's oh, a wow. there's I, a twitter I, limit apparently yeah, you get put in twitter jail if you yeah, yeah, in the middle of Sony's conference, I just got cut off. They were like, you've been using us too much today. Goodbye. What? <laughs> That's insane. Yeah, teenagers complain about it all the time, so oh. it's uh, pretty – shows you how remarkable it is if one of us is getting put in Twitter jail. What the heck? That's um, crazy. Yeah, I think I lost it. I know I lost it for sure at least a lo- at lost two because I was so anti-Xbox through all of E3. I gained followers during E3. <laughs> Well, you were tweeting pictures from. Well, yeah, we should because I was Spencer, there. So I was gonna say we should establish Spencer was at E3, so he was tweeting pictures of things and tweeting reactions to stuff from the floor. So I think that's how you increased. Yeah, I kind of cheated too because uh, my boss would retweet things from our uh, website accounts, and you know we have several thousand followers on those. We even had uh, Jeff Johns tweet at you. Yeah, and you started following me too, and that made me really uh, uh, conscious about everything that I'm tweeting from now on. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I am glad that I did not say anything disparaging, Mr. Johns. Uh, today. <laughs> um, please, please let me write comic books for you. <laughs> uh, sure, absolutely. I've got a great Hawkman pitch. Anyone want to hear it? No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, so you were at E3, and uh, you guys were paying attention to E3, and, I, and I'll just give the background now. I mean, I'm a PlayStation guy. I have a PS3. 
Um, I will eventually buy a PS4 probably because I don't know anything about the Xbox or whatever. But um, did how did stuff look over there? Was it fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It has a very strange layout because it's in the uh, the uh, the Los Angeles Convention Center, and uh, they take up two halls in the building: the South Hall and the West Hall. And uh, the West Hall is all. It's where Nintendo, Sony, and Microsoft have their booths, and their booths are humongous. And that's where they have just, you know, demos everywhere. You can, you can Almost everything you can think of, there was probably a demo for it, except for a couple of things that were kind of disappointing. And then the South Hall is where all the developers' booths are. And so the, uh, Ubisoft, EA, Activision, you know, all those guys. And a lot of those, I would say that was probably half demos and half... Uh, theaters that you had to wait in line to get inside to watch someone play the demo. But, uh, you know, that aside, not getting to play some of the games, I can get over that, but it was a really cool experience. Nice. I mean, was there... What's the thing to, like, look out for at this point? I mean, we've got these two new systems coming out in... um... In, at the end of this year. In, 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 in Christmas time? Is that when it's coming out? I don't even know. November. Yeah. November. Oh, November, okay. yeah. And uh, so, I mean, between the two of them, I mean, are are, are you guys going to – let me let me, let me me ask this first. Are you guys going to buy one or the other? Or are you going to buy both? Or what's what what are, you, what are you looking to do, Spencer? I'm, I'm probably going to get a PS4, but I don't see a reason at launch to upgrade – from the PS3 to the PS4. Right. So there were no there were no exclusive games announced that made you want to jump right away. Well, I don't I don't know that many of the uh, I don't think there were any PS4 exclusives that you can't also play on the PS3. Like Watch Dogs and Destiny are all going to be on those are going to be on PS3 as well. Okay. At launch, Killzone is the big exclusive for PlayStation, and that's not enough to get me to buy it on day one. Yeah, and uh, I saw the demo for that, and it was it was indistinguishable from any other first-person shooter that has ever been made. It yeah, lo- there's it, an infamous it game so coming boring. out in February. Yeah, so infamous comes out in February. That's like the launch window, and that's tempting, yeah. but I'm not gonna buy a PS. Was that like Infamous Three or something? <laughs> yeah, it's called a uh, Infamous Second Son. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. What's interesting about that one is that, you know, it's a new character, so he has new powers, and it's set in Seattle instead of a fictional city. And when, when I saw the demo for that, they told us, you know, in all the marketing we've seen for the that game so far, it seems like the character has, like, fire and smoke powers. Uh-huh. But what they told us in the demo was that he actually has the powers to absorb other people's powers. Oh, and he oh, just, so he's Peter yeah. Petrelli. Yeah, he actually just <laughs> happens to uh, absorb the, the fire and smoke powers from somebody, and that's how he discovers he has powers. Wow. Okay, that, that that's kind of cool. I mean, I don't really like those infamous games very much, but, I mean, I didn't like the first one anyway. When I got it for free, when uh, remember when Sony got hacked? Um, yeah, I got into oh, this yeah. for free that 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 way, and I played it. It's, it's okay, um, but not something that I was actually like actively wanting to play over and over again. Um, but the uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I I've, I looked at the list of the of the exclusive games, and I mean, I've been seeing pissing contests between like Xbox guys <laughs> and Sony guys about my system's I, gonna be I better. I didn't realize Xbox still had guys after this point. Oh, no, they no, absolutely. Are you kidding me? There's plenty of Xbox fans out there. Yeah, I thought Amazon said they almost sold out of their stock of pre-orders. Oh, my God. 
Really? How do you sell out of something you don't even have yet? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wow, that's crazy, man. And at that price, too, it's like 500 bucks, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they sold a lot of those pre-orders before the PlayStation conference, though. Uh, yeah, what I've read yeah. is that right now it's three to two in PlayStation's favor for pre-orders. Oh, wow. Wow. That's... That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like three to one for PlayStation. Man, that's crazy. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a PlayStation guy because the controller is just something I've been used to. I played, I've had a PlayStation of some type since I was in, you know, middle school, high school. So, um, that's just the thing I'm used to playing. But right. I don't have any great like dislike for the Xbox. I just don't ever play one. Um, and the, its exclusive titles are never exciting to me. I'm not a, I'm not into shooters either. So. Um, that's mostly what they cater to. And especially with the new one, it seems like they're really going after the, the Call of Duty crowd. Yeah, I mean, there's a new Halo coming, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wearing a, uh, what, what's the best way to, a cloak of some sort out in the desert, even though he has armor. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's like a, so it's like a desert version of Halo. I mean, I, I've only played one That's Halo. all the preview showed, and they didn't even I imagine the preview has nothing to do with the actual game, though. <laughs> yeah, it was just to get people excited. Um, yeah, that's that. I, I, I tried to play the first Halo back in college and I, I was bored out of my mind. So. It has a great story. Does it? I love it. The first Halo has a great story. The other ones do not. So. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, after, after the first one came out and uh, everyone loved the story of that one and everyone even loved more so the multiplayer. People loved the multiplayer so much so that two and three were pretty much just multiplayer that people bought it for. So, so somebody explain to me this used game situation for both of the oh, systems. God. I don't, I don't understand it. Um, uh, let, let me say before we get into that, uh, I'm, I'll probably get a PS4 as well. Uh, I'm like you guys, I'm not going to get it as soon as it comes out, mostly because even though it's not 500, it is 400 dollars. Uh, I'm getting a Wii U though. I'm weird though. Wah, like wah, I, I want wah, a Wii U. As well. <laughs> a lot of the Wii U games I played on the floor were a lot of fun and made me want to want to get one. Really? So it would actually look pretty good. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and it's the first time that Nin- Nintendo has had a fully HD console, okay. so it, it looks amazing. Wow. So I mean, is is so the Wii U? I mean, is it going to be like in terms of its actual hard data disc? Are they going to be like those same discs that they're on the Wii, or have they shown? Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to change sizes or anything. Okay, cool. Well, it's already out, so I don't think it has changed sizes. I, 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 I yeah, yeah. nothing about Nintendo, so it's, uh, I mean, I've, 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 I've done Wii Fit once. <laughs> so, that's about the only thing. About Everybody's Wii. done Wii Bowling. Don't act like you haven't done Wii Bowling. No, I never played Wii Bowling. Wow. The only thing I've ever played on the Wii, I played Wii Baseball one time. Okay, well, you were on, you were playing the same game, you just didn't play bowling. Right, 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 yeah. Um, uh, Mario, anything with Mario Kart and Super Smash Brothers is going to get me to probably buy it. Yeah. So. Well, okay, so, um, again, the used game stuff. I'm just curious, because I didn't understand it, but there's, like, all these, these this conversation about DRM and stuff. Yeah. Um, what, what What's going on with the two systems? Like, what's the difference? Uh, well, with the PlayStation 4, you can do it, you know, it's the same as any system now, you know. You can take a game to a friend's house and play it. You can sell it to a store so they can sell it to somebody else. You know, you know, you could give it to a friend from that lives across the country or whatever. But with the Xbox One, uh, it's once you buy your copy, uh, it's yours, and you can transfer it once. Like you could give it to a friend, but then you can't have it anymore. Or you could uh, sell it, and then that person is the only other person that ever gets it again. 
it, it's it's very confusing and it's very strange and a lot of people are unhappy about it. Wow. Um, do, so do you think that's something that could like potentially have severe ramifications for the retail side of things or? Well, yeah, that's another thing is uh, only uh, approved stores will be able to sell the used games. So like local and mom and pop stores are going to be totally out of it. Oh, my God. So yeah. I, I guess GameStop as, the, as a model. Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I was kind of curious cause I didn't know if there, if there were going to be issues with used games or not. Cause I saw an interview, uh, with like the, I don't know if it was like CEO of Sony or who, or, or the, the whatever, um, Sony games, but he said that they would leave it up to the developers if they were allowing, yeah. um, that's what, uh, that was my impression of what Xbox was doing too, but Xbox seemed a lot more restrictive in their showing of what Xbox one is going to be like than yeah. PlayStation. I think Xbox... that, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, Xbox to me, from what I saw, seems like it was more restrictive. Like Spencer was saying, you can like sell it once or trade it once, this and that. With Sony and the leaving it up to the publishers, it seemed more like how things currently are to me, where if a publisher wanted to put an online pass on something for you to access the multiplayer, you have to pay that extra ten dollars if you yeah. buy a used copy. Uh, that's what it seemed like for PlayStation for me. So not even a change from what we've got right now. It's just that Sony said that they 100% won't be doing that first party. Well, so, I mean, at this point, if you were an Xbox user, though, so you couldn't loan out games, basically. Yeah. That's And I, I really think it's not even the used games. The big thing with the Xbox One is the always online that everyone's been making a big deal about. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, because uh, you have to... Uh, check in your Xbox online every 24 hours or it becomes a, a brick in your living room. What? Yeah, it, it won't work unless you check in every 24 hours online. That's craziness, man. Yeah, and I mean, that's not a big deal if you're like on a college campus or you're like, I mean, we're all on the internet all the time. So, I mean, it's not a huge deal, even though my iPad can't stay connected to the internet for 24 hours. I don't know how an Xbox would, but, um, there are plenty of people in the country that don't have broadband yeah. internet. Yeah. yeah, people that don't have broadband, people that live out in the middle of the country somewhere, or just people who don't have internet, period, and Xbox is their only form of entertainment, and now they're not going to be able to do that. And it became even, the controversy became even worse when there was an interview with Microsoft, or not really Microsoft, but Xbox through Microsoft's CEO, I guess, I don't know, and he said, that, well, if you don't have internet, we have an offline device for you, and it's called an Xbox 360. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, but you're, you're not even going to be making games for that a year from now. And so it, it, he didn't make it any better with that response. And then the best response I saw to that was like, well, I can think of another offline device, and it's called a PS4. Wow. Yeah. No kidding. That's that. That's that's nuts. I mean, like, there. I mean, we live in a state that's full of rural areas. I mean, so yeah. I have a hard time. We both do. Yeah, we, we both are do. All four of us do. Yeah. So. I mean, we are. You know, the folks in our three. Y'all live in Georgia, and I live in Alabama, and there's tons of rural people that have. So I know people who would tell me they still have dial-up back at their family's home. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I'm, I'm certain there are young people that, you know, would love to be able to play one of these things. I mean, maybe not, but it's <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> and not, not now. Yeah, it's kind of off off the off the radar. Hopefully that's like something that's going to be well aware to like folks before they buy this stuff, too. Oh, I, I can't imagine. I'm sure there are going to be tons of kids come Christmas time whose parents yep. buy it and have no idea that that's something you have to do. Oh my. Yeah, I was in GameStop the other day actually. I saw somebody that was trying to get a Mario Kart game for the Xbox. Like, there are people that just don't uh. understand things. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of like that meme I saw where somebody was like, 
oh, well, it doesn't really matter what the new Xbox is called because your mom's going to call it a Nintendo either way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so um, if... uh, if you got a chance to, you were down, you were de- demoing a number of games there, and you probably got a chance to play a lot of stuff, uh, Spencer. Yeah. So, like, what are some games that were looking really good that you got your hands on uh, there at E3? Um, uh, as I said, Mario Kart was really awesome, Mario Kart 8. But I'm a huge fan of that series anyway, so I mean, it, it could have been exactly the same as the others, and I would have <laughs> said that it was awesome. Oh, they're up, I didn't even realize they're up to eight at this point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, there's the whole thing with uh, last year when they came out with the 3DS Mario Kart, and they're like, this is the seventh Mario Kart game, so we called it Mario Kart 7. <laughs> Jeez, okay. And um, uh, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze is really fun, but again, I'm a huge fan of Donkey Kong, so I really liked it. Uh, but the it was the games that they didn't let us play that I was really infatuated with, and that may be because they didn't let us play it that I... I there's, it still maintained a, a bit of mystery while you were watching. So uh, Assassin's Creed 4 looks really, really cool. Okay. Is that, now, Assassin's Creed 4, um, what's the setting this time? It's uh, it's the early 1700s. It's in the Caribbean Sea, and you're a pirate. Okay. Okay. So they, they went pirate this time. Um, yeah. And uh, you're actually, you're the grandfather of the character you were in Assassin's Creed 3. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so and this is the first time they've ever been related, right? I think so. Uh, Brian, you're you're like big... directly, yeah, because they're all related to whoever you are in the present. Yeah, yeah. Brian, you're a big Assassin's Creed guy, right? Uh, yeah, I am, but I don't know the genealogy of it all. That's getting too deep <laughs> into it for me. <laughs> there is somebody who does know, though. You know yeah, I'm sure they're, they're probably if they're listening, which they're probably not. But if they were listening, they're probably screaming. <laughs> too busy playing Assassin's Creed. To <laughs> right, exactly. Um. The, yeah, what I was mean, really cool about it though was, um, I mean, the map is is huge, and it you know it's it's all these islands and you know it's the ocean and you have you have your own pirate ship. You can engage other ships, whether it be pirate ships, British fleet, the Spanish fleet, and uh, you you can, you know, if you take over those ships, you can make the crew part of your crew. You can take that ship and force it to be a part of your fleet of pirate ships, or you can rip it apart to upgrade your pirate ship. Ah. But then what was another thing that was cool was the way they incorporate uh, the companion app for the game on tablets. So you're playing the game on your television and then you can pull up the app on your iPad or Kindle or whatever. And then uh, you'll be able to see the map of the game on your tablet. So you, so you don't have to pull up the map while you're playing. Or you can do it where, uh, in the demo we saw, uh, they walked, they, you know, sailed up to some little island, and he walked up to some corpse that had a treasure map on it, and then they pulled the treasure map up on the companion app, so you could look at, you could compare the treasure map to the location that they were in, so that you didn't have to like keep pausing the game to look at the map, and then and then go back and be like, oh, is that is that the thing on the map that that's at this location or. That was so. That was really interesting. And and that's not going to be on PlayStation Three, or is that just four? I think it is. I think it, it is. should be all of them. But, yeah, yeah it's PlayStation it be... Three, Four, Xbox Three Sixty, and Xbox One, and I think even Wii U. I, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if there will be significant differences. I mean, other than like frame rate. Uh, I imagine Wii U will get rid of the uh, app thing. Well, They'll I mean, between on the tablet. between PS Three and PS Four, though specifically, like I, I wonder, will it be? Um, 
Like, I mean, if you would, would it be better to play it on PlayStation Four? I mean, is that like something to say? Oh, well, I'm going to buy the PlayStation Four for Assassin's Creed Four. I don't think it depends on how impatient you are for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The difference can't possibly be that significant outside of graphics. Yeah. I think what they're going to aim for in terms of this, you know, crossover point right here, where games are coming out for the old console and and the new generation, is. Uh, content. They'll have things that you can only do on right. the PS4. Got it. Right. Yeah, that that that's interesting. I mean, I feel I feel like Assassin's Creed Three just came out. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I didn't buy it or anything. They're like one a year, up to one a year with those now, aren't they? It looks like it, but I feel like a lot of the uh, the big franchises with video games are going in in the direction that Call of Duty started, where a different developer will be working on a game in the franchise so that each year you have a different one. So, you know, last year was, uh, I guess, Black Ops 2. I'm not a Call of Duty guy, so I don't know. But, but you know, go back to the past three Call of Duty games. They've all been made by different pe- different companies. Oh, okay. Which is, you know, brings me up to another point where I feel like that's probably where we're headed with the Batman games. Yep. Uh. Because... Arkham Origins is developed by uh, Warner Brothers Games Montreal, Warner Brothers uh, Interactive Montreal, and uh, you know prequel to the other games. But Arkham City really set up a third chapter, which <laughs> I think Rocksteady is probably working on in secret. Yeah, and Kevin Conroy had been saying he was in the next Arkham game, but then Kevin Conroy is not voicing Batman right. in this, so he might have accidentally been talking about a Rocksteady one for next gen systems. Yeah. Yeah, this would be the second. And, time. Yeah, and that's what's the that's the good thing about Arkham Origins. I'm glad about because I'm not going to be buying a PS4 day one. I'm not going to be buying an Xbox One at all. So I'm glad that Arkham Origins is going to be on 360. So at least I can get a new 360 and be able to play it. Well, yeah, I mean it's going to be it's going to be on PS3 as well, right? Right. Okay, good. And Wii U. Okay, good because that uh, that that that's where I'm going with that. <laughs> Probably. So. Uh, and we got to see a demo for it. Uh, Spencer got to see it live, obviously. And then, uh, Brian, have you seen the video of it on YouTube or anywhere else? Yeah, I have. I haven't seen it. Did it look good? Oh, my gosh. It yeah, looks, it, it looks I mean, Well, there was the gameplay trailer that came out, and it showed Bane's redesign, which Bane's redesign looks so much better than he looked in Arkham City and Arkham Asylum. And then uh, we got to hear what both the Joker and Batman will sound like, and I think they sound just fine. Yeah, if you didn't know that it wasn't Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill, you, you'd be able to tell like it sounds a little different, but they sound really similar. Yeah, I'm, I'm. Yeah, Batman especially sounds like a kind of a young Kevin Conroy. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad they went that way out route. I know we've we've all talked about that together a, a number of times, but um, I mean Kevin Conroy just does not sound like Year Two Batman to me, and um, I love him, I, I do, but. I, I feel like going a different route was was wise, especially since Mark Hamill wasn't coming back. Um, it just it's just great to just go a different direction altogether for this early type of game. Plus, I mean, I'll take more Troy Baker wherever I can get it. Um, I'm such a fan right now. Uh, from Bioshock Infinite to uh, Last of Us, now I mean he is unbelievable as a voice actor. So um, that's exciting. I, I, I'm looking forward to hearing his Joker voice. I've only heard that one line from that trailer that they released uh, last week, right. or whatever. But if there's more out there, I'll go hunt it yeah, around. He for it. he talked a little bit more in the video that that they showed us, where it was uh, in the demo. Batman's looking for Black Mask. And he goes to this hotel and he gets on the elevator and he goes up to the penthouse. And, you know, in Batman fashion, he climbs on top of the elevator. 
So he's he's standing on top of the elevator when it gets to the penthouse, and then Bane walks in the elevator and you know sticks his fist through the roof and rips Batman out. And then him and Batman are kind of going at it a little bit, but then Bane throws him into this other room. And there's the Joker, and he he starts. I can't remember what he says to him, like you know, thanks for dropping in. I think that's the one line that's been circulating. But then they talked a little bit more, to where uh, one of the elements they've introduced in Origins is this thing called the Most Wanted, where it's you going after other characters from the Batman mythos, but it's not necess- It's not tied in at all to the main story, and it seems like Joker is going to be a part of that because it's his plan is. He's got, he has this table in front of him full of all these uh, dynamite plungers, and they're all wired to different buildings in Gotham. So it, 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 and he blows up one of them in that one scene, and then I think there's like six or seven left. So it seems like the Joker story will be like, oh, Joker's going to, you have to, you know, go into this building and save all these people before Joker blows it up. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, it, I'm very excited about the game. So the gameplay itself looks pretty enjoyable it didn't look like a step down it looks or... exactly like yeah it looks things. it's exactly the same as the other ones awesome awesome that 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 i mean that was always the fear you know once you switch developers or switch uh i guess the the departments that they're working in basically yeah. uh, that you might lose uh, might lose something in transition i am still a little worried about the story but um the story seems the basic story seems fine i don't know if it'll be as interweaving as uh paul Dini's writing was but i think the basic story I mean, it sounds like a comic book I would pick up and read. Uh, uh, ten assassins going after Batman in one night. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the uh, th- the biggest change I noticed in the demo I saw of it was that detective mode has been completely redone, where you're actually going to have to be a detective now. It showed, like, this helicopter that blew up, and you had to go piece by piece through the scene, scanning it in detective mode to figure out what actually happened. Which gives you more of a feel for him actually being a detective. Yeah. How, Whereas what it's in the other, like to be Batman. Yeah, because in the other games, you know, you do detective mode and you would look around like this three foot wide area for like a bullet or like a blood spatter. And then that, that was it really. But in this one, it's you. it depends on you. You have to recreate the crime and look at it from the different angles to figure out what everything means and where it goes. Oh wow! Uh, that thing that 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 sounds exciting. I mean, I never liked detective mode in the original games because it just felt like find the thing on the ground, you know, and then Batman <laughs> makes all the decisions from there. But um, but I mean that 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 sounds awesome. Plus, I mean, I like the idea. Was it you could play as Deathstroke in multiplayer mode or something? Yeah, yeah. Like uh, you know, in Arkham City, you could do uh, Nightwing and Robin. So it and seems Catwoman. like when, and Catwoman. Yeah, that's right. And then uh, with this one, you'll be able to play as Deathstroke. Awesome. Awesome. Speaking of playing as things in Arkham Origins, the PS3 and PS4 apparently have exclusive Nightfall challenge modes where you get to wear the ridiculous 90s Azrael. Oh, did did no one mention this online? I have a photo on my phone of the Nightfall skin. Oh, really? Yeah, and, it uh, looks amazing. And of the, uh, the uh, Adam West Batman skin. No shit. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the, these are that things... Ezreal skin looked just as bad as it did in the 90s. Yeah, it's hilarious. All the pouches yeah, on it. It looks really oh, funny. God, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, th- these are things I need to see. Can, uh, can, can I get these sent to me somehow? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Right here. Let me send it to you. Yeah, please do, man. Just, yeah, you, you can either yeah, email them to me or whatever you want to do. But... Um, uh, I, I I I would love to see that. I uh, I'm a big fan of of the Adam idea of playing as Adam West, especially. 
Especially if they could throw in like it adding like bam and pow and stuff whenever you hit somebody. Oh, that would be amazing, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I mean I would love it if you could do. Well, the, the greatest episode of Batman the uh, the 1960s series was when he and Joker have a surfing challenge. Um, so I would <laughs> not him running down the boardwalk with that giant bomb. <laughs> no, it's it's better than the, than you not being able to get rid of the bomb. It's uh it's it, Joker wanted to be the king of surfing. That was how he was going to take over the world. Oh, mercy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So anyway, that I'm glad that I'm glad that's looking good. I was a little nervous about it, but uh, beyond beyond Arkham Origins, though, was there anything else? Uh, Watch Dogs is really cool looking. Yes, Watch Dogs is amazing. So, which is really ironic that that game looks so amazing to people in light of all this NSA stuff. Well, and I I threw that out on Twitter earlier because it when we were watching the demo. Something that the uh, the guy specifically said was that you could hack into people's personal lives and find out all of their secrets. <laughs> and I was like, why would you say that? <laughs> because it, it, that made me really uncomfortable and almost not want to play the game because I was like, it, it's, it's almost hypocritical to the point where, you know, yes, I'm mad the NSA does this, but how can I how can I be outraged and then play a video game where I do the exact same thing? <laughs> Wow. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know much about Watch Dogs. I mean, what what sort of gameplay is that? It's an open world game set in Chicago, where uh, I assume there's a little bit of a story, but the way they're <laughs> selling it is that there's there's no missions, and it's you can do whatever you want. But it, the gist of it is that you're kind of this vigilante that can hack into anything and you try and save people, but you have, like, this facial recognition software so that when you walk up to people, you can tell, like, oh, this person has, like, a 10% chance of being in danger in the next five minutes or whatever. It's kind of weird, but it's really cool when you watch it. Cool. Okay. Well, that that, that sounds kind of exciting. Um, I like the idea of being able to do anything I want in a game. I've always felt like, yeah. like open-world games have never quite met their potential. Um, like the closest I can think of, of an open world game really nailing down everything I've ever wanted was probably like, was it Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you could eat and work out and stuff. But even that became aggravating after a while. <laughs> um, but I, I never, like, I, I would love to find an open world game that mixed like open world stuff with like the Mass Effect kind of like conversation wheel decision making stuff. Uh, that's like the one thing that I've always felt like open world games were missing. Um, not that any game, not that they're even coming close to something like that, but that's what I've been waiting for my whole life in an open world game. Open world seemed like the really big push this year at E3. So many games yeah. were like, oh, it's open world, it's open world. And I was like, I guess that's what everybody's been asking for, because like even Dead Rising went open world for its new game. I guess people don't like linearity. I yeah, I mean, I think Nintendo is the only company that's sticking to non-open world games. <laughs> and that's for fine its first party developing at least because yeah, i mean yeah. it's it is it finally nintendo is able to get the games everyone else is getting <laughs> yeah i mean nintendo has been kind of on on the back end of that it's like mostly mario and and uh donkey kong although and mario stuff. galaxy 2 is like one of the best video games ever made well i guess a lot, and a lot of people like uh like all the zelda games right i mean a metroid yeah, yeah. Right? i mean that's that that's like i mean that's all nintendo developed stuff but uh, yeah, that'll be what gets me to buy a Wii U as a new Metroid. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is, have they shown something of that? 
No, no, not at all, which is why I have no interest in buying a Wii U uh-huh. right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mega Man and Super Smash Brothers isn't enough for you? Oh, man. No, not big enough draw. <laughs> well, before we run out of time, uh, Spencer, was there was there any other big thing that, that was like a big takeaway from E3? I mean, the, the any, anything that we should just sort of keep our eyes out on? I mean, is Sony really the big winner? I think they are, but it on the floor it wasn't so much obvious. Like there wasn't a bigger crowd with all the PS4 stuff than there was at the Xbox stuff. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. So we could uh, throw in uh, since we haven't talked, we've talked so much DC for this episode. There is something you played with Marvel. You could throw in. Yeah, Lego Marvel was a lot of fun. I don't know if you're a big Lego game guy, but oh man. Great, great fun. Oh, you know what? I tried to play Lego Batman one time at, at Target, and that was about my only experience with Lego Batman. It was Lego it, Batman it's, 2. It's quite different from Lego Batman, whereas, you know, Lego Batman, a lot of its levels, as we were saying, you know, a second ago, they're very linear. Lots of almost side-scrolling kind of levels. But uh, Lego Marvel, it was very open-world levels. Like, you know, you still had a linear path to go through, but... It, you know, you were seeing everything from above and behind their perspective instead of just from the side view as like a scrolling game. Oh wow, that that's very cool. Um, did, but do you get to like pick which heroes you play as? Or yeah, the demo I played, it was you could you were cycling between Iron Man, the Hulk, and Spider Man. Uh, and they all they have claim there's going to be like a hundred characters in this. Yeah, there's something. over a hundred characters on the roster. Wow. And you know, some of them are going to be a cop out because like when I was playing the level. At the end of the level, it said, you unlocked Sandman, and you unlocked Roxanne's security guard. <laughs> so I was well, like, and you know, uh, you know they're going to throw in some stuff in there for whatever they're promoting, so you know, like, Star-Lord or Rocket <laughs> Raccoon or somebody's going to show up in it. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Groot! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I... W- I would be very interested if you got excited over something with Groot. I, I, I would not not excited <laughs> at all. I know nothing about Groot except what uh, I keep hearing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what sold me on Lego Marvel, though, is uh, in that demo, which they had shown before, but I guess now you could actually play it at E3, when the Hulk, who is a pretty big Lego minifigure, could turn back into a Bruce Banner minifigure looked fantastic. Holy yeah, that... crap, that really happened? Yeah, you, yeah. You, you press one button and then he can he turns it back into Banner. Ah, that's awesome. I can't, yeah, I, I don't guess the I don't guess you can do Gray Hulk though, could you? Uh, maybe maybe. <clears throat> that would be so awesome if there was like a Gray Hulk and a you do know. a Joe Fixit skin or something. Yeah, heck yeah, that's my well, favorite. Well, there Hulk. was a in the first level you fight against Sandman and the Abomination, and presumably they'll be unlockable and playable. So if if Hulk and Abomination are playable characters, I I imagine. You know, Red Hulk, maybe some of the others are going to show up as playable characters as well. Oh, that would be so amazing. <laughs> Can't even... Brian, do you play the Lego games at all? You've been kind of quiet through this discussion. Uh, yeah, I was taking care of something else really quick. But yeah, I do play a lot of the Lego games. Uh, but for some reason, I'm not really interested in the Lego Marvel one. I haven't looked at anything about it yet. Yeah. You need to see that video, though, because that Hulk turning back into Banner and back and forth looked amazing. And there was another demo for it, but I didn't that I didn't get to play because I was trying to get to other things. But there was the next level. Uh, it's all in Asgard, and it's you cycling between Captain America, uh, Johnny Storm, and Wolverine. That is awesome. I think Thor might have been in it as well, but I, I don't recall. Wow, that that's really cool. I got I, yeah. that. That might be the first Lego game I ever buy. I ne- I've always wanted to get one. And I've never bought them just because, I don't know. You know just um, the Star Wars one is really good. The Star Wars one that has all six is really good. 
Um, I never played the second Harry Potter one, but I played the first Harry Potter one. It was decent. It wasn't as good as Star Wars, but Star Wars is really good. And then Lego Batman 2 was really fun. Yeah, that's one I need to pick up still is Lego Batman 2. Oh, yeah. It goes without saying that Brian probably has the Star Wars one. Uh, <laughs> I do, definitely. <laughs> but it's great. It's so good. The Star it Wars is, one is great. It is. It's awesome. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up because we're, we're way over time. But, uh, yeah. hey, guys, I can't tell how much I appreciate y'all coming on and, and chatting with us. So uh, um, can, you want to tell them where, y'all, where they can find you guys? Brian, you first. Uh, yeah, if you guys uh, go to eucantina.net, you can find me in Star Wars news about the Expanded Universe. Right on. And what's your Twitter, dude? Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. It is uh, at WakingTheDead17. And Spencer, you? Yeah, I'm at uh, SuperheroHype.com, ComingSoon.net, ShockTillYouDrop.com. You know, all three of those sprinkled around. And then uh, Twitter, I'm at the Spencer Perry. Because I'm the most important one. <laughs> I, I, I will agree with this. Uh, right? <laughs> um, well, guys, I appreciate it. Y'all, you guys have a great rest of your Sunday, and uh, I, hope, uh, hope, I hope we have a good start to your week. Shane, man, take care, buddy. All right, you too. All right, night, folks. Night. Turn the corner and-